I remember all of this shit happening and thinking it was fucking, this was like the original Firefest. I was sitting at home fucking laughing my ass off being like, you guys paid a whole bunch of money to be drowned in shit and, and not have any water. <laughs> like it's fucking incredible. I love it. You guys deserve this and worse. Culture Podcast with Alaska, Curly Castro, and Zilla Rock. All right, Call Out Culture Podcast. We're here. It's a new day. Mike C. Town is back. First time we brought this dude on, Esquire, Preston Esquire. He's here from Dead End Hip Hop. The last time we had this guy on, we talked about Fug Crusher Plus, and he's back today to talk about uh, uh, equally important moment in our the lives. Other, the other side of the coin. The <laughs> other side of the yes. coin. The, Bizarro on Fun side. Crusher. Bizarro Fun Crusher. What, is, what, what could be the complete inverse of Fun Crusher Plus? Woodstock, Woodstock 99. 99. We needed Mike to come back. I mean, it's actually might be the true definition of fun crushing because it looks like there's <laughs> nothing fun about that day. That's true. Yeah. And, and Mike, I personally wanted you on the call to give us um, how old were you when that was happening? I just wanted just in '99. You owe me a what? No, I was I was saying, um, how old were you in '99? Oh, I thought you said <laughs> I owe you an appetite. I'm like, what is, <laughs> is that? Like a is that a bar? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's from a Limp Biscuit song. Oh, okay. all right. Um, how old how old was I in '99? Shit, well, were you in your were you in your twenties at that point? I mean, I yeah, was. I was in my early twenties. So you were aware okay. of the rocks and you were a rock fan of that in that ilk and that's in that time period, I'm saying. I'm just uh, well by that point, by ninety-nine, I was already in like a metal band and listening to like fire, you know, like extreme metal. I wasn't listening to shit like Limp. All of that stuff completely passed me by. Okay. I didn't okay. I, but that's why I wanted you on the call as a person, a practitioner and somebody in the scene at that time. Yeah. I just wanted your perspective yes. of what they were we're, doing. We're gonna get look, to it. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah, get to that. I'm an outside looking in guy. I'm hip hop all the way through, but yeah, I will tell you, I had a nice stream <laughs> of what Z Papa Roach stain. I was, oh, in, oh, yeah. my, I was into all of them. Yo, you got you got like, it. Yo, let me let me let me just say this right so now. Okay, there so has fun. to be a way for you to put a limiter on your AirPods. Because no, no, the no. show just know, started and you're already it. distorting and peaking, and I'm excited to hear how much louder and crazier I'm a, you I'm will a, get I'm tonight. A, I'm gonna flip it once my no, I'm using these because I'm charging my iPod. Okay, good. So once because... I flip the headphones, it's a power thing. So that's what I know. I'm doing. I I love it. I want the energy to remain true. That's what I'm saying. We're already starting at a ten, which is wonderful. Uh, Alaska's here. He's not at a ten as usual. He's just sitting in front of the old air conditioner drinking his seltzer. Am I correct? Feel that. <laughs> More or less, yeah. The air conditioner's not on because it's nice and cool up here tonight. But. Oh, and guess what I got for tonight? What do you got? Oh, no. We got the bland whiskey in the house. We out here. I got the, the two robbers hard-crafted uh, orange mango seltzer from Philadelphia. So Z, I want you... They, they should be well, sponsoring the you, show. I've been tagging them on no, IG. No, I want you to go. If there is a new Woodstock, that would be the official drink of the new Woodstock. <laughs> two robbers <laughs> hard seltzer. Orange has mango. Anybody, has anybody tried the Dos Ombres? Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul's. The, the Mezcal? Um, yeah, the Mezcal. I, I want to get some because they, they, they're big on the advertising. 
I'm not big on our show. Fan. Yeah, they, they should advertise on the show. They should advertise. Uh, on Mike, the what's 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 your biggest avatar advertiser? <laughs> we don't. Ben Higgins, Bob's big boy. Uh, no, we don't get advertisers, man. We're 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 yeah, we're not very desirable, dude. <laughs> y'all don't have the, y'all don't have the the seat geek seat geek promotion. No, mattresses. you ain't got the Casper mattresses popping off. No, nah, you know what though? Like seat geek, seat geek, some bitches, bro. Like they sent me, an, they sent me an email, and they were like, "Hey, we want to partner with you. We love your content." I'm like, "One, you've never watched my content. You're full of shit." But right. I was like, "Well, shit, cool, seat geek. I'll take some money, you know." So I emailed them back. I'm like, "Yeah, man, let's do it." Crickets. I waited like yeah, a day. You know what I mean? I hit him again. I'm like, yo, hey, you sent me this email. I'm following up. I felt like that dude that like got the number from the girl at the club. Oof. And she like, yeah, it was like uh, the wrong fucking number. And I'm sitting there like, like, what the fuck? Uh, like you reached out to me. Like, I feel like that Martin the episode, worst. they called me. Yeah. They called <laughs> me. <laughs> like, and, now, and it's funny. I bring it up because like, they're like the standard, like a lot of YouTubers. Damn uh, and um, Rich Wallet. Oh, the, the one, the one yeah. that's popping now is like the CBD gummies. That, that that's a popular podcast. I want uh, that. Yeah. No, I want, I want pink horsepower. I'm calling Cameron. Yes, the Cameron gasoline dick pills. Yes, the pink horsepower. He has an Afrodisiac on the market. Well, it's on the street market. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's it's pink. It is not approved by any type of and, governing and it is body flying off the shelves. Cats order boxes. It's funny. <laughs> it's the funniest thing you've ever seen because it actually works. So the hood guys advertise it. So they're like, yo, you can't take it outside with your friends because you have to take it within 15 minutes of the placket time. So you can't be outside just sipping it. It's a liquid and not being ready to go with, you know, to to go high performance. Yeah. Oh my God. Have y'all tried it? I'm scared, but it's it's a- So wait, wait, how do we know it works? It's a root, it sounds like. But these these hood cats are all swearing by it. They're not lying on it. Hook cats don't lie on a dick unless they need to. Right. So all of these guys. Are so how do we know they don't need money, and thus need to lie on it? Because mm. the fucking shit costs fifty a pop. Three four hundred. Wow. Yes, fifty Shasta a pop and three four hundred. Wait, so wait, wait, wait. I just want to understand this. So right, it's yes. it's, a, it's a canned drink that you and your girl drink, and then y'all get horny. The man drinks it. He, it's oh, so he he made it with this um pharmaceutical and also farming thing because they also make his weed. So he has like a purple haze strain and then he came up with this pink horsepower stuff. Yeah. And at first I thought it was like a powder or a pill, but then I started Jesus. seeing the pink liquid moving around. I said, oh, it's like a little drink. <laughs> and and it's look, like, it's like strawberry look, Nesquik. <laughs> Mike, I'm from the hood. I'm from the hood like anybody else. So we tried the, the um, Spanish fly at the front counter. I can't tell with any certainty that it did anything or it didn't. I was so excited and so hypnotized from knowing about Spanish fly and Ooh, don't you or don't you? I popped it and just had sex with a girl. I don't know what happened. Oh, this is dick hard shit. Yes. Yeah. Oh, like you said aphrodisiac. I thought you meant like it gets. Like, I think it's. I think it's like a little both because it gets because these <laughs> guys oysters. say I be giving my girl the placata laid out. Like I need another. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, granted. But granted. They're, not, they're also not going to go on and be like, you know, we tried to get intimate right. and it just didn't work. It was like a floppy tube sock. I got a lot going on. I'm thinking about bills. <laughs> you know when I'll believe it? I'll believe it when the girls come forward and they're like, yeah, my mm. man took it and we went on that. All right. Now they're all females that come and buy the three packs. It's, it's all I've dudes. Seen right. Messages. right. I've right. seen messages from some females buying three packs for what they meant. So, okay. Yeah. All right. That's fair. The, 
And have there been clinical trials? Do we know if it's a placebo effect or if it's... Listen, the bottom line is Kalal Culture Podcast and Dead End Hip Hop, both, we co-sign the, what is it called again? (laughs) Pink Pussy Power. Pink Horse Power. 2.0, even better. 2.0. No one improves advanced. (laughs) First one led to brain hemorrhaging. Yo, y'all, Alaska, don't, don't, when I come up there and I pull up and I do the spiel, don't mess up my, you know, I have to do this. When I do the audio call, just let it ride because we're getting the I'll let it ride. Well, speaking of uh, uh, gas station dick pills and possible insane side effects, uh, Hmm. Woodstock 99. Um, So we decided to talk about this this event because uh, there's a new documentary, which sadly is produced by Bill Simmons, but it's good. Right, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, it's cool because Alaska's not excited about this. It's cool because <laughs> it's fucking you, awful. <laughs> you get to look back at not the not too distant past and then draw a lot of parallels between some temperaments and treads from back in the day, how they maybe took root back then and how they, they rear their head out today. So uh mike i don't know if you watched woodstock 99 documentary or just going off okay you did cool so we've all seen it all right so the first thing i want to give the first testimony go ahead go for it go for it i personally remembered woodstock 94 more than the 99 because i remember woodstock 94 the lineup was woodstocking (laughs) if you will a lot of like um what do they call them um like trans bands and musicians acoustic um, those like type of bands and shit, right? Yes, yeah, those that, that's what littered that whole line. I can't, I'm, I'm, excuse me for um, failing to remember some of the acts, but those type of acts, like shouts to the goats Dawn, from Philly. The goats were on that. that yeah, PM Dawn would be on there for, for a simple example. <laughs> and so that's how that lineup went. A lot of peaceful, everybody sitting in the park listening to I acoustic mean, artists sitting down in the grass, right? Right. So I, I so Blues Traveler is in the mix. I'm looking at the lineup. Thank you. Thank you. Collective Soul. So, so when when 99 came up one i thought hey that's kind of quick like you know it's not that big you know gap of this big bicentennial event but i thought it would be the same because i thought woodstock was about the lineup and the peace and love you know those types right right so that i just wanted to put that out there i thought i was thinking 94 again i didn't okay right well here's the difference between 94 and 99 was that 94 had like joe cocker uh, Melissa Etheridge, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yep. Um, the the, the goats. cranberries, the goats. <laughs> the goats. But then it still had like Cypress Hill, Salt and Pepper, uh, Metallica, Nine Inch Nails, Rollins Band, Aerosmith. So they still were getting a little. Okay. Gil Scott Heron played Arrested Development, the Almond Brothers. Jack- but I guarantee the schedule was more befitting. Day, right? You said spreading those artists out. Jackal played. Mike, That's, Mike, yeah, Mike, Eagle, Mike, Mike Eagle's favorite band, Spin Doctors, were tearing it down Bomb. on the North Stage on August 14th. Santana, Neville Brothers, Ica Mouse Castro. I love the Neville. I like the Neville. Shabba Ranks was there. That's crazy. Shabba. That's yeah. crazy. So there's a lot of interesting things going on. Um, okay. So, but you didn't, you didn't know much about Woodstock 99, period. Right. No. That and so MTV gave view. me, like, hey, look at us. Like, that's when I was right. like, oh. You know, okay. it became. It seemed like an MTV thing, and I know I didn't. I didn't know that's what it was supposed to be. Fair enough. I thought it was supposed to be something different. Yeah, Mike. Mike, what was your recollection at the time when it was happening? Oh, dude, I, I thought the shit was fucking hilarious. It was incredible. 
It was fucking incredible. I mean, so in in 94, I was like, you know, this super punk kid. So there was no fucking way I wanted anything to do with a Woodstock festival. I thought the shit was stupid. Mm-hmm. But 99, like I said, I was already in, you know, metal bands and shit. And I remember I had friends who were fucking hyped about mm. 99 because there were, it was for, for people like that, for like, for like dude bros, mm-hmm. this was yeah. the perfect festival. Mm-hmm. It was a bunch of like super aggro, fucking rowdy ass, like, no offense, but just like white aggro groups. pieces of shit. You know what I'm yeah, saying? <laughs> So like like my friends in high school that I barely talked to anymore because I'd already graduated, they were like, "Oh, dude, you going to Woodstock '99?" I'm like, "Fuck no! Why would I do that?" So when I'm hearing afterwards, they're like, "Yeah, so there was no water and it was really hot and like there were a bunch of fights." And I was like, "What the fuck did you expect?" <laughs> of course there were fights and it was hot and it sucked. And that's why I, I didn't tune in because that's why I lost tune because when I when I kind of I didn't think dude bros because it was Woodstock. So I'm just being naive thinking the 90s. To the branding, to the consistent right. branding and they so had that's, built that's over why, 30 years. Right. So the MTV Halo, that's what threw me because I didn't think yeah. they went kind of hand in hand. You know what I'm saying? I thought it was just festival stuff, which is like we mentioned, it's those lineups, but not MTV. Like I'm not blaming them, but that element really turned it into like its own beast outside of the Woodstock brand, mm. even more well, to me. More there's me. one thing that the documentary didn't cover because I vividly remember this. This was MTV's fault. Like MTV mm. was tied to this shit hand in mm-hmm. fucking hand. And mm-hmm. the second the rapes and shit started happening, they were like, oh, we have nothing to do with this. Yeah. But those motherfuckers were promoting that shit yes. for the longest time. Come like on. that shit wouldn't have popped off if Kurt Loder... And I forget mm. the other guy that with the fucking saggy John, face. John Norris? Yeah, John Norris. If those dudes weren't fucking promoting this shit, Three it wouldn't have shows. popped off like that. Oh, yeah. But and the documentary shows fucking... how quickly they turned on a dime. Because Kurt Loder, this is what I remember. Like, Kurt Loder was giving, like, the update. And he was the one rolling around. Oh, it's, there's a fire over here. He was updating, <laughs> yep. like, everything that was jacked up. So when, um, and, and think about it. Like, so I'm, um, I'm in my 20s at this point. But the MTV, way Kurt, remember when Kurt Loder's show would come on? Dun, 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 right? Yep. That sound. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, like it was, yeah. He was like Edward dun, 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 dun. And like, dun, 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 dun. It's the beginning of peace cells. Wearing the black shirt. And he's like, oh, Woodstock 99. I just escaped a fire. And they were throwing things at the MTV. Like he was like upping this chaos. Yes, but it was like all the chaos. He wasn't reporting that uh jewel had a good set or he didn't say any i don't remember him reporting like anybody having like mm-hmm. a good set i remember him reporting like the upcoming tragedies so like they were playing it like as a tragic play or whatever once they realized that they weren't going to be the darlings for throwing the thing ah, i think they wanted point. that praise and it was it was turning sour on them in the moment so that's so when he, i think they so alaska what what was your thing at the time so you were 39 tell us tell us your experience <laughs> 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 like these damn kids and they damn music He's like, well, after I, was, I cashed I mean, out my 401k, I too did. And, uh... It was like, I mean, I was like working by then and shit. I was like, I, I didn't even think about it until I saw it on the news. I was like, oh, how about that? Like, that was like literally my reaction. Like, I didn't have any thoughts about it. I didn't give a shit about you any of You folded your Wall there. Street journal. You I didn't, like, I didn't give a shit about that. any of it. I was just like, you know, I was like 
going about living my life. Um, by then, like I had tuned like, out, I tuned and out and almost, and completely. almost completely. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I didn't really give a fuck about it. I mean, Woodstock 94, I didn't even give a fuck about it. The only reason I know about it is because my brother went. Oh, and like, I remember him talking about like, fucking mud, bro, and Green Day. But, you know, he was like just constantly hallucinating on things at that time in his life. So, but, um, yeah, no, I, ha- I had no opinion. I thought all those bands fucking sucked. I hated all those bands. Nice. And I didn't really care about it. And then I was just like, it's on fire. I was like, yeah, what do you, I mean, look at this fucking lineup and look at the people <laughs> that are going to get you know, Like, they're fucking, they make juggalos look smart. He said it's on fire. Yeah, what did you expect? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I kind of like Mike. I was like, it's fucking stupid. The only thing I wanted to see there, dude, I wanted to see, I wanted to see Rage Against the Machine really bad. Mm. And I wanted to see Alanis Morissette. I was like, if I could just go and see both of those groups and mm-hmm. leave, I'd be totally fine with it. But that was just not, you know, that wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. But the reason, one of y'all was talking about, you know, he wasn't reporting on Jewel having a good set. The reason he didn't do that is because Jewel didn't have a good set. No, I was just <laughs> no, but you know, it, it's not because of Jewel. It's not because of Jewel. Like, it's I don't even audience. know why the fuck they booked her. Like, right. all yeah, of those other weird. groups... ICP, Metallica, Limp Biscuit, you know what I'm saying? Rage. Why the fuck are you trying to squeeze poor Jewel and a lot of more set in this mess? And they I, didn't want to be there. I think they were trying to get the girls in. They and if you look at all mm. of the nights, they put the female act right before it starts, the rage section, and right before sundown. I noticed yeah. in the footage they tried yeah. to get the girls up there with the dusk, and then once it got night. You know, Anthony Akitas and them were like, you know, all right, let's learn this place. You down. know what I heard, though? I heard that the women that played it, and I don't know if this is a fact, but I used to have some friends who worked in the quote-unquote industry back then. Industry, And yes. I thought they were fucking lame then, too, because I was like, who cares? But they were telling me that that a lot of the women performers requested to play before the sun went down mm. because they played and they fucking bounced. None yeah. of right, stuff okay, around. Right, right, right. It's right. the same shit that I hate that I have to fucking agree with Moby because he's a fucking douche. But <laughs> he did what all of the smart artists did. They showed up, they did yeah. their little performance, they got their check, and they fucking blessed. All of them saw what, like, I had a buddy that was, you know, when they were showing the guys with the security. Yeah. Yes, the yellow shirts. Yes, yes. Peacekeepers, very fucking. Yeah, peace, yeah the peacekeepers. Peacekeepers. Yeah. Yeah. Pieces of ass keepers. I, I had a friend <laughs> who did that shit, and he was telling me all of this stuff. Wow. And he was like, Yeah, none of those artists stuck around. The only ones that stuck around were the ones that you expect to, like Kid Rock right. and Limp yeah. Bizkit Right. And, 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 and they all of that shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted to go there and get fucking wasted, hopefully right. get their dicks sucked, yeah. and then right. watch Definitely. all of the mayhem that happens. So let me yes. ask y'all this. Let me ask the panelists. Has anybody experienced the, the, like an overnight type festival? Has anybody gone through um, that, performed at one, gone to one? I, mean, I, I, I toured the Van, Vans Warped Tour, but it wasn't an overnight festival, but it was like... But it was that type of numbers and that type of people, that money, I mean, in terms of... It, I mean, it wasn't people. Woodstock numbers, but it was like, you know, it was a giant festival, like yeah. a roving festival, yeah. So I did one. Um, it was it was like the Tree Fort Festival, but not in the sense that we drove on a dirt road and then we went to this clearing and it was tents and people there and it was like little mini stages around. It wasn't like a big one, but everybody was hunkered down for the night. I'll put it right. down. Tents in, in, in the various areas. And I remember we did, uh, and this is a little person, 45 minutes set. Good. Now, 
if anybody knows me, I no, it was an hour and a half, hour and a half. And if anybody knows me, 30 minutes is way too long to be on stage. But it was like a mixture. It was my man Rock Bottom who actually booked the show. So I was there. Um, Rock Bottom was there, his his material. Um, my man John Zapp was there. Bear was there. So there was a bunch of MCs and other mixed artists. I think even Elena was there. So oh, we mixed Elena. in our like thing for an hour and a half. But man, I, but it was just interesting because it's one of those things you perform with people that are essentially kind of sitting down because they're there right. for the night. Yeah. So they don't really have to rush to the front or be too attentive. They just kind of just can let the music waft over. So then that makes you choose what you do in this hour and a half differently. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm not doing no big Roddy song in minute 10 when I still, you know, I <laughs> gotta be okay. But that was the only one I've done. And then we left like mad early. We finished and then we just got in a van left like in the middle of night, early morning type thing. But so yeah, I, I've, I've been to shows like that where there's like a ton of acts on a bill and you're at a big space with dueling stages and you got to pick and choose who you're going to see. Like I went to one like a Pimlico racetrack and Baltimore where it was like Flaming Lips, The Who, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Gnarls Barkley. So you're like back and forth. Like, who do I see? You go over there. Like, I think like the Vivian girls played or something like that. Mm-hmm. When you watch the documentary, like being on that Air Force base, like everything about what they were trying to do to make sure no one broke in was was the, the actual design of the space was already guaranteed to piss people off. Mm-hmm. So regardless of who played that night, if it was just a Lilith Fair 2, people would have been ornery and annoyed because you're on that hot asphalt, like literally in the middle of July in upstate New York. Yep. And you also know having three to 400,000 people, things aren't going to go as planned with the restrooms, what, like all of this. Like you have With to days about- ahead of you, not, right. not eight hour concert. There's two or three days ahead of you once you start. Two hours when you start of having the, this experience. Yes. Right. So everything needs to be airtight, right? And then on top of that, it's like four dollars for a water. Wow, that's nine. That's well, crazy, back in nineteen ninety nine, I was making probably five seventy five, six dollars an hour working in a pizza. So I feel like in ninety nine, people were still new to the idea of having to buy water. Yes, like it that's wasn't like point. it wasn't like it is right now. Where that's yeah. a great point. Like the idea the of drinking tap water is like oh. Now, all right, but they did say in the Brita. Is the they didn't have Brita filters. We weren't banging with yeah. Brita yet. They did they, say I, they had water stations. My right. thing is taking showers in there. Why would you take a shower in the water state? You know it's a water state. It's not like confused see, with, with different what languages audience and stuff, is, right? Exactly. It's a bunch. Well, it's well, fucking like jackass. It's the jackass yeah. fucking generation. Yep. Like people that just want to like gross each other out and make each other try to laugh by being dickheads. Yeah. All right, I gotta talk to y'all about this because this is the racial. All right, why don't we take our first break? We'll take our first break. This is a good, this is a good place we're gonna go to. Yeah. Let's take our first break. We got Mike C Town, Call Out Culture, Zilla Rocker, Curly Castro, Alaska talking Woodstock '99. We'll be yeah, back. We, did we introduce Bunty ourselves? By, uh, Men in- what was it called? The was it called Pink Mustang 2.0? Pink Horsepower 2.0. Pink Horsepower 2.0. Go to Harlem. Get your and get you some rock hard. Plakata, 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 plakata. <laughs> Yo, peace, people. It's Prem Rock. Just wanted to hop on and tell you about my new album, Load Bearing Crow's Feet. Out now, everywhere on Backwood Studios. Shouts to the Wrecking Crew. Shouts to Call Out Culture. Shouts to Willie Green. Shouts to Billy Woods at Backwood Studios. Shouts to Shrapnel. 
Shouts to Brain Orchestra, Denmark Vesey, Messiah Music, Small Professor, Fresh Kills, Willie Green, myself, everyone that handled the beats, everyone that delivered the, the rhymes. AJ Swade, Henry Canyons, Castro Zilla, yeah. Fielded and Lucid. And Marcus Pinn on the cuts. Dr. Quandry on the art. Pick it up wherever you pick up music. Thank you. Peace. The shortest story ever fraught with blues and no less true. Dignity. We're back. Hopefully you went out and bought yourself some reliable gas station dick pills on our break. Uh, all right, Mike C. Towns here again. Uh, Call Out Culture Podcast. Curly Castro wants to bring up. Yeah, I got to bring the I got to bring race into this. So, here so, so, for, all right. So I played on a basketball team in my youth up okay. until like my teenage years. Right. And I had certain teammates. Now, basketball teammates, it's not racially specific. Right. But there's a certain type of gym guy and basketball guy, right? So there's the serious one doing all the drills, kind of keeps himself. There's the people in between, the teammate guys, the coaches, uh, kid. Then there's this guy who, when you drink water, he's trying to stick his finger in your ass. Or he's like, <laughs> yes, okay. He, or oh, he's always with a towel and, and popping you. And these homoerotic, like, games that if this stuff is so funny, yes. fart jokes, burp jokes, like all of this stuff is so funny. But only he really thinks it's funny. Everybody else is not engaged in the funny. And right. I know I'm not. And I told him once, yo, don't try to put your finger in my ass when I go for this water, because I'm not playing with you, Roberto. This motherfucker used to bother me, yo. First of all, he used to call me Sigourney Weaver. I had curly hair, so he used to. That was his joke. He was like, "Yo, Sigourney, shut up!" Right? He used to always be on me about That's being Sigourney up. Weaver because I had this curly ass over there. I'm like, God damn, why couldn't you call me a yes? Hey, all right, so. When I was younger, the joke was, you know, Castro, I'm not saying my government, but Castro was Ronald McDonald because I had a curly fro, like Ronald McDonald's, right? It looked just like that, yo. I can't even hide it. But this guy. You also wore a lot of red and yellow. I did. But this guy, he was he was determined to change it to, yo, Sigourney Weaver, shut up and pass me the ball, right? Oh, man. Because Sigourney Weaver had the shortcut and he was fat. It was alien all that time, right? But this guy, he was so... So, you know, making these jokes and tickling you under like all of this weird. I wasn't with and then that. He yo. went on, he went on to four Limp Biscuit with his three friends <laughs> in Tampa. So that's why I got his Westmoreland. So West that type of guy, <sighs> right? Isn't yeah. that this this type of dude, bro guy? This isn't isn't this the, the pro mag angry guy with the hat? I want to hear, hear Mike's take and then the last. Isn't this also. isn't that this guy that, that frequent this concert? Isn't this the same guy? This is the same guy, right? Get him, it's one of those guys. Oh, it's right. one okay. of many different versions. Because there's also like the guy that hangs out in front of the deli and tries to buy beer for high school kids. <laughs> that guy. There's also like the frat bro who like gets really rapey. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so mostly that guy. Mostly there's that a lot guy. of that guy. Mostly yeah. that guy. Mostly that yeah. guy. Yeah. And then there's Who like you know, the sort of like the dudes that like grew up in, in like rural areas that never stood a chance, like just basically like rural areas affected by poverty. And this is like the best thing that's gonna happen to them in their entire life. Mm. They're gonna fuck up some people along the way if they can as well. Correct. Um but it's so like, like hanging out in 7-Eleven parking lots, like that type of, is that the gathering spot because it's rural. Like yeah, you I mean, no, I'm not even because they don't even have that. They're just like, you know, they kind of maybe will go to like the mall three towns over and like fuck with people that work at Hot Topic or something. I don't know. <laughs> so um, the documentary puts a lot of emphasis on these types of guys yeah. as yeah. being the, the main people at this festival in particular. 
So me and Zillow are on the phone and we can divert from the racial just real quick. So what is going on? And I wanted to tell, I don't want Mike jumping this. The fitted. The, the documentary. My first note. My first note is <laughs> the hat wear. So the documentary makes note of these backwards hats, cats that they were wearing as picking up from Fred Durst's style nice. at the time. Okay. What the this fuck the was I think it's like an evolution of the Cox hat. Yes. Or like but the you know, like the, the frat bro Cox hat. It's at South Carolina like Cox. South Carolina Cox. And they wear it and be all frayed up at first. It's like the hoodie and the blowfish hat. Yes. Okay. But because it's like okay. the evolution to the angry, so, like, I'm going to wear the New York fitted. So, Bong, that's what I'm asking you, Alaska. What was your hat style preference when you were rocking fitted? What did you do? I just wore so your a hat. Red Sox hat. I didn't do anything to it. Oh, whatever. All right. So, me, I'm, I had I'm a whole. Saying, I was never I like. Whole, I, Robert, fair enough. I had a whole yeah. brim science. It was a certain way yeah. I bent the brim right. to make it hung, and I and I tilted my hat. I know it's dark in I tilted my hat a little bit, fifteen degrees to right. the left. Yeah. Z, how did you rock your hat? I had the green Fubu flex fit tilted a little bit, also askew, a scance, a scance. It was a uh, scance. Mike, did you rock fitted? Were you? Were, did you cop a fitted? You okay? You no, let you, you let no. You. I, if I wore if I wore hats, I was wearing trucker hats back then. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I thought they. I thought they were cool. I mean, I was wrong, but I thought they were cool. There's a lot more ventilation in trucker hats. I mean, oh, yeah, I have a giant head too, so like I can Me only too. wear a certain style of hat a certain way. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm, well, I'm a um. Look, I'm a seven and I'm a seven and three quarters myself. So like, right. fitted was important in the sense that one, I couldn't let nobody steal a hat because I right. I had to buy a certain size, so I can't let nobody take my hat. And New York, it was big about the fitteds first. And then the New York fitted secondly. So I remember when Fred Durst was coming with the hat and Zig put me on to something. I didn't even know that was a New York hat because that was like one of those first alternate color city hats. Funk Flex would rock that shit. Yeah. Right. And so I just thought, you know, we talked, me and Z talked about this the hat culture, Ken Griffey Jr. putting the hat backwards, you know, batting and stuff like that. people got fitted so they could wear them backwards because they didn't want this, the size adjusting thing. That wasn't a style unless you had some hair to pull through it. Unless you could make right. it cool. It wasn't that cool well, yet snap, to have yeah, like- Snapbacks got phased snap out. Snapback, right? yeah, right. But, the, but right. here's what's interesting about the Woodstock 99 crowd. And this is what we were talking about, like, like the kind of dude bro aggro dipshits. They would have, you know, the fitted on backwards with like the insignia of, you know, the Texas Longhorns or the fucking- whatever the thing was but, yeah but the point was this is where like moby again smug asshole but he he made a distinction about the deviation that these guys like wanted to dip their toe in rap centric things yeah. yeah but not be in a rap world yep. where like yeah. you need to have the locks tape and the case lay tape and the yep. clue tape you're like oh i like the fitted hat shit but not like how mace wears a fitted hat right right i'm saying it's like mace wears it one time the next time you see mace he's got a blue one he's got a green one he's got a white one he's got a gray one these dudes were like and i grew up around these dudes as well and and the person i probably spent 20 grand of my life on hats i love hats right my thing was because i'm a hip-hop person every time you saw me I'm not going to wear the same hat Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right. Friday. Right? Right. I, just got, not, I don't feel right doing that. But my my homies who did have the fitteds during that time, they would have one Atlanta Braves hat, and you saw them that every day for three years. Wow. Fitted. You see what I'm saying? 
but it was fitted hat and it was on backwards and they'd be smoking her cigarettes, listening to Metallica, doing whatever. Right. So the hat was the indicator to me, even back then of like, oh, like your hat is like some MTV TRL hip hop distant bastard relative corn limb biscuit dude. You know what I mean? Like, cause you're wearing a fitted, but it's the only fitted you have and it's got sweat stains on it and shit. <laughs> like it's not, it's not about being fresh. Right. It's about like having a hat that you live in. Signifier. Codify. Mm-hmm. Signifier. So yeah, I know Mike, you're about to yeah. say something. On it. I was going to, um, when you were talking about the type of people that go to those things, I was going to jump in. Like when you're talking about the people that stick their thumbs up people's asses and all that shit, like that was, that was me and my friends. And we weren't, we weren't going to that. You know, like that was, that just, was that, something that that humor just it lost me. I just I get it. I yeah, get it. Yeah. I think it was just one of those things like we would do it because it was like it would piss other people off more than it would really actually make us mad. Like okay. if we're if we're standing around and my homeboy just walks up and he just smacks me in the nuts. It's all right. it's all funny to us. Willies. But right, like but it's, it's I didn't do wet willies and shit, but like that was that was the people that actually bullied me and beat me up. Those are the ones. Who would do like a guy purple? A guy tried to purple nerf me, and I said, "Look, I don't even know your name." So like, I had to just stop it there. Like, you're reaching for my nipple. Some of these things you got to think about before say before that. uh, But I, you know what, Mike? I wasn't a um. I got bullied in middle school, so I stopped. I didn't get into the pranking of like other kids, like tripping or like that type of stuff was like left field for me personally. So. That's yeah, I mean, we, we only did it to each other, you know, yeah, I, I would never do it to anybody else, but there was definitely, you know, you, if you're at a punk rock show, so at some point, someone's going to fucking thumb your ass. That's just how things go. You have to gotcha. either get used to it or just don't be there. But I think that those fests were more so they were jocks mm. and they, they were those types of jocks that discovered like certain types of rap that made them comfortable. Ah, like Cypress, okay. Cypress Hill made them okay. very comfortable. Yeah. Um, okay. That's why, like when you're when you watch that video, um, was it Moby that made the point about the the or it was it was a black dude, but I don't I don't know who, who he was. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I remember but him. He made the point that I think was actually the case, which was these were a lot of white kids who liked the sort of they liked some of the sonics that came with hip hop and they liked some of the aesthetics that came with hip hop, but they didn't like anything else, especially the black people that came with hip hop. They didn't like any of that shit. At my school, when I was in high school, there were all of these rednecks and the jocks, the kids who used to chase us Mm. all the time. And when, when chronic was really popular, all of those dudes had that in their trucks. I'm talking about the pick them up trucks with the huge Mm. wheels. They rolling down the street, smoking in, though. That was them. They so loved this is, that shit. This is what I noticed. They would dabble in hip hop, but lose, but not, but not investigate the nuance. So anything that was R&B tinge, they didn't like that. No. Anything that, that, that was like higher poetical, they didn't like that either. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. It was, it was the, um, the visceralness of like gangster rap. It was like, and also, peep game, y'all. Gangster rap, was simple in its earliest form. Too Short was very easy to remember, memorize, and go with. And I remember like when I Same short. with Snoop, same with Snoop. But I'm just, but, um, but um, Alaska, I'm, I, I just brought him as an example yeah. of gangster rap was way easier to memorize than native tongue. Yeah. And when you can pick up a song, 
Mm. Whether you like that genre or not, you're going to be more inclined, like something that's catchy, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Right. Your mom might, oh, that's catchy. She don't even know what type of song it is. My mom loves the Whisper song. Tells see, me why you didn't come up. It's more than that, though. It's more than okay. that. To me, what it is, is gangster rap fits their narrative of what Black people are way more than anything else. Mm. So it, it, it worked for them. So when they would listen to things like Dr. Dre, where all he talked about was smoking weed and fucking women, bitches, that yeah. made sense. If, if they would listen to stuff like DMX, that's why so many white kids love DMX mm. because he was loud, he was aggressive, he had a yes. dog, he was buff, you know, didn't wear a shirt, he talked like yeah. That's yeah. how they thought all black folks were. Cypress Hill, same shit. All mm. they talk about is smoking weed. Well, we like smoking weed, cool. Right. They're not gonna listen to anything that's actually uplifting. They're not gonna put on fucking Dell the Funky. They're not gonna do that. Right. But, right. but when they discovered that, oh, there's this kid rock guy yeah he's, he's almost a redneck but he also raps and there's rock too yeah perfect this was a breeding ground for those type of people that yes. really didn't like black people but they sort of liked what we created and they especially liked their version of what we created like all of those motherfuckers were in my school Damn. So I hear what can I throw rock, a right? monkey wrench into this conversation real quick? I just want to block. I just want to do real quick. The is Kid it, Rock thing I think is so ironic just because of how Alaska, right? When he started, he was super hip hop, right? Doing yeah, scratching so, routines, fucking high to high, high time. Balls in your mouth, balls in your mouth. Doing the four element type of act. But then as soon as he got this fame, he let all that go. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, mm. what we're talking about with that specific audience who, like, found this niche of rap that they loved, where they didn't have, actually have to engage in the culture. Mm. Yes. I think there's a very similar element of that in, like, the mid-2000s indie hip-hop as well. Mm. 100%. Okay. Get so, meaning, like, yeah, that we've talked about that before. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't, back to, up. they didn't have to indulge in the culture. Can you expound, like, people that well, yeah, they they didn't want to engage in any other aspect of hip hop. They're like, this is the yes. pure hip hop. This is what I want. It's like, it's this thing that I understand. I don't have to actually hear other people's points of view. Right. It's this sort yes. of thing that mirrors back to me and reflects this worldview I have. And it might have been like a little bit more of a highbrow version of that audience, maybe, right. because they were going for something that had like a bit more lyrical and musical skill to it, maybe. But it was still that same sort of mindset of like, this is the box that that I want to be in. And like, you know, if you're not part of this box, this isn't the real shit. And anything that's outside of this is fake. Even if it's like, you know. So Zilla or anybody on the panel, enlighten me to now what are these rock rap groups of this era? How are they siphoning these type of fans? What are they doing that's making them so alluring to these type of cats? Um, here's my notes, ready? Because I was, so at 99, I was 17, right? And I was, and, and I, this, this can tie into the MTV shit, right? Because they're definitely guilty in this. MTV at the time was breeding tribalism, right? Because MTV mm. would do early on in the 80s, you know, it was all rock, rock, rock. They didn't play any black people, right? Then like, then, then Michael Jackson elevated the genre of music videos and they started playing black artists, which is well documented. Then you would have like Yo MTV raps that would only come on what like Fridays at whatever three thirty right. or yeah, whatever the hell right yeah. Then they started having like Headbangers Ball, you know MTV Subterranean, you know Buzz Clips Unplug. Like there were certain pockets 
when you would tune in if you were a certain kind of fan, right? But overall, MTV signified like an edge to it. Like we're counterculture. We are like the cool, you know, playground to be naughty. Like that's how we get down. We're not going to play like Neil Young. We're going to play Madonna half naked and shit, right? That's Until T R. Right. So when, when TRL hits and it's like, you know, basically like it was before 40. TRL. Right. But, but it was but, well before TRL. Even all of those shows mm-hmm. were versions of TRL prior to that. It started as this thing that was like, here's this fresh new music that's going on. Mm-hmm. And then it was right. like, let us yep. feed you what we think that you mm-hmm. should like of this music. It was but never like point. a pure thing the way we like to nostalgia. Nah, nah, uh, no, 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 no. But I, I meant the TRL was that tipping point because that countdown thing. Right, made made the competition yes. a certain way, and then they pitted the burgeoning edgy artists against Boy super pop, against, super pop, yeah, against agro rock, right? And that was at the time like the biggest place to see someone blow up was on TRL, right? Like that, and the industry at the time, Alaska, you know, you were on the outer edges of it. Like everyone's printing money; these motherfuckers are shipping two billion CDs mm-hmm. a year and getting them off, right? Yeah, And so when you get to that stage of it and then TRL's at the cultural nadir where you have like Ja Rule fans calling and voting against O-Town fans and 98 Degrees fans voting against the Offspring fans, everyone's like hunkering down even harder to where like when I was in high school every day at that time, there was a kid who sat at the desk before me before classes. He would write corn. I would cross that shit out and draw the Wu-Tang logo. The next day I would come back, he would cross out the Wu-Tang logo, draw a cord, right? That was just the shit. Yo, we y'all getting on, buffed. Right? You're buffing each other. Y'all you were buffing each other, right? But the whole point was where everyone's plugging in and voting against whoever because, you know, I'm Olympus. They, they're going to beat Everclear today. No, nah, they're going to beat Backstreet Boys and all that shit, right? Everyone's doubling down like, my shit's better. My shit's better. But this is also the emergence of all the team pop, like Christina Aguilera, Mandy Moore, Every Jessica Simpson, they all had like a one or two year run at that time, even though they're not in Woodstock. But like all that shit's happening versus if you wanted to be an aggro dickhead, dude, your your band probably wasn't on three o'clock in the afternoon. You know what I mean? Like they were on at that time, whenever that show would be on, they would have all those shows. Right. So putting them all together was great because everyone's like battling with each other. So then when you get to this point now of 99, where like the tipping point hits, like the one thing they didn't say in the documentary was Eminem. Eminem is a big part of this story. Like he's a huge part because he was the biggest person being like, fuck you, you know, women mm. could suck. He was doing all that shit. He was. And he was down with Limbisk. He was down with all these people. He was down with Kid Rock at the time back then. He just didn't perform at Woodstock 99. But he was, was he the down one- with him? He was down with Limp Bizkit. He, he, he was down, down with them. There's not, there's not yeah. much music, but yeah, they used to yeah. be around each other. I remember because they were the okay. kings of the they yeah. were the kings of industry back then. You know, like he might have missed yeah. them at some point, but they were also rallying against like fucking Backstreet Boys are pussies, bro. Yep. I want to fuck Britney. Me too, bro. I want to jizz on her tits. Wait, 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 wait. Limp Bizkit was in the um the real Slim Shady video next to the fake Britney. Yeah, they were they were right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. They had a full relationship. You don't remember when M like did that diss song "Girls" about Limp Biscuit? No, I don't remember that joint. Oh, Oh, one of he used to do a lot of those B side diss. Yeah, he would always. There's a there's a there's a a chunk of fruit. It was when he was battling um Everlast. Everlast. Oh, when he was battling Everlast. Okay. Yeah, they like they were all tight with each other, 
and M and yeah, man, it was like a big thing, but M was definitely down with, with, with Fred Durst. They were yep. super tight. But yeah, you're Kid right. Rock was like Kid Rock was a dude from Detroit that at least, quote unquote, made it at, to some degree, even though he got dropped from Jive when he was a rapper. But when him swinging back around again, getting fame like he blew up locally to mm-hmm. get that deal again for that album, uh, whatever it called. Rebel without pause. Re- yeah. Yeah. Yep. So like Eminem is still in the breeding. So like he, they're aware he's in of the each mix. other. He's in the mix. Yeah, I agree with you. He's, he's in, in the mix. mix he just right? wasn't at, yeah. And he was carrying that, too, of like the rebellious, you know, like thumb up my nose, you know, huh, fuck you guys. Uh, you're corny. But I'm saying MTV created the common enemy of all the teen pop shit to make all these dudes get douchier about everything to be like, we're, see, we're all aligned against knocking out 98 degrees and LFO and all this bullshit. You know what I mean? So it's like they kickstarted that whole thing. I don't even remember the question anymore, but that's just the thing. I thought. No, you're, you're still on. They were, they were feeding into the whole idea of, of privileged white kids being angry about nothing. Yes. It was, yes. it was, it was if you, you really look at it, it was pretty fucking smart. Because I mean, when I was when I was like a teenager, you know, and I was like a punk kid or whatever, we had like this idea that we were supposed to be pissed off all the time. Mm-hmm. And when someone actually broke down why we should be pissed off, it fucking made sense. These kids really had no reason to be mad. Most of them had money. Most of them mm. got all of the, you know, quote unquote, hot girls in school. They had no real reason to be mad. But MTV was moving in this direction where they're like, well, we can kind of like capitalize on this fake outrage thing with these like white kids. So they because made we, it into a style? They, they, they basically, style. yeah. Because I mean, if you, if you look at it, all of those groups, even if you put Rage Against the Machine into that bucket, you know, even I though I still, I still love them, but mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you can put them into that bucket, they were feeding this shit to the people that Rage Against the Machine was speaking about, you know? Mm. But and MTV knew that. But they knew that these kids were too stupid to figure that shit out. Right. All these That's kids wanted to do was fucking go out there and rage. Why? Yep. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The same reason they fucking picked on the nerd in school. You right. know, that it doesn't matter why they're pissed off as long as they're pissed off and they're fucking spending money. That's mm-hmm. all it was. But yeah, I mean, I watched this shit go down for fucking years, man, because MTV was the whole reason that like, I remember when, when I was in ninth and 10th grade and I was a punk kid dyeing my fucking hair green and shit. Mm-hmm. And all the kids in school were fucking picking on me, chasing me down the hall, all types of shit. And I remember when fucking Green Day and the Offspring and all that shit got popular. I was in like, I want to say either 10th or 11th grade. And all of a sudden, all these dudes thought I was cool. And I was like, what? Mm. Like you were literally calling me, you know, the F-A-G-G-O-T word last right. week. You're right. fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're slapping me in the back of the head. You're fucking giving me fucking heart checks. All this shit, but now I'm cool. But like MTV, all they did was they just picked up on what are white kids flocking towards? Mm. Where's where is the angst? You know, the whole right. the whole Nirvana angst didn't last that long. No. Because it was too progressive. Guy, I was, yeah, right. I was going to say that. That, that, that was too much. It wasn't wearing a dress all day. He was wearing dresses all day, painting his nails yep. and shit. He didn't give a fuck. Curtain but there was money in that though, right? They was but it ran right out. There, right? It, it only it only that doing? kind of shit only worked for certain people like the jocks only liked a couple fucking nirvana songs but once okay. they saw True. someone that looked like them and that acted like them fred durst they were like oh this is yes. perfect all right fucking we're, we're, perfect yes. yes he's he and kid rock are the perfect 
distill. Well, I, I really yeah. want to like after our break. Well, I want to just talk about them specifically. Alaska, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry, man. I don't even remember. You don't even remember because right, dynamite, dynamite um, content every week. Before <laughs> we, in, we, we before we hit break, <laughs> I want to go into this thing. And Mike, I want you to chime in, my fellow melanated brother. What was your feeling <laughs> during the DMX call and response portion? Like just uh, like I'm watching it, right? And and for the listeners, we're talking about DMX um had this crowd hypnotized like Geppetto and Pinocchio. This is the, probably had, the only good thing that happened that whole thing. Had them on this a is, string. This. He could have made them do anything. He could have made them stand on their shoulders, do backflips, only you know, he could have made them do jumping jacks all together. Army jumping jacks. Yep. He decides to pick a song. I can't remember the song now. But the song has a call and response yeah. with the um my niggas is yeah, back and forth. And my nigga, right? Yeah. And so there's about a hundred to three hundred thousand raging white children, literally children, that must have been dying for somebody to give them the pass to say it with impunity. And DMX, one of the leading people in the industry, is giving them that pass by engaging in the call and response, knowing that they will respond. Right. So here's my here's my take on that. Right. I think you're giving them too much credit by thinking they even know what a pass is. Mm-hmm. Those motherfuckers did not care at all. I agree. Those yeah. dudes and say nigger all, trust me, like those dudes, all, nigger is a table time, time word. Yep. So they don't, yeah. they don't even think about, oh, well, I need a black person to give me a pass to say this shit. I've been to our future concerts. Those motherfuckers say it like it ain't shit. And wow. they'll say it right next to me and be looking at me like, yeah. And I'm like, why the the fuck am I here? Like those dudes, they did that shit because that's what they do when they're in their car. Mm -hmm. It was normal to them. At the house party. At the house party. Yeah, exactly. Now that's what, that's what I do. I've come to find out that yes, that's prominent. The, um, you know, I even get into the blackface parties that I've seen. It's like, yo, bro, if they're going to say it, like, I'll, you know, I'll say it. I can say it in the album. I can say it in the song is the easiest little trick that they try to do. Like, hey, they say it in the song. I'm just repeating the song. But, Mike, do you think DMX knew? Do I think what? X knew. Do you think X knew what he was doing? Man, that is a question that I've seriously wondered for the past fucking 15 years. I don't know. Mm. Because, I mean, I don't... A lot of people will try to act like, well, DMX was setting him up. And I'm like, no, he wasn't. He wasn't setting him up. I don't think DMX thought that way. Okay. Maybe I think DMX probably just played a set list that he's used right. to playing and just I, I didn't agree really with think that. about it that deeply. But does it bother me? I mean, at this point in my life, not really, because I've I've been through it. Like when when Alaska was talking about fucking indie rap shows, I heard more nigga from white dudes at indie rap shows than anywhere else. Mm. So that shit didn't bother me. I was just like, that's fucking par for the course. Mm. It is what it is. But it was it, it was interesting to me to see that wave because I seen that clip of him rocking that show. But yeah. obviously they don't play that part. So oh, I see seen that, that already. Yeah, I, 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 that, I, that was my first time seeing it, and I was like, the power of that! Wow, like I, because I know what it would feel like with a black crowd. You know, I wouldn't even flinch. That would just be, you know, song three. But to see, but but the excitement that I saw from some of those white kids, like finally out in the open outside you know what i'm saying yeah i also think it was the excitement of seeing dmx who was the biggest rapper period that year that wasn't eminem and then like we're saying those dudes buying those two albums that went number one 
and his first five albums all went number one. Yep. Then saying it at the house party, then saying it and the football game when they're practicing, basketball yep. game practicing, lifting weights, playing DMX, because like Mike said, he's the aggro, super hyper masculine, steely dude. Like them dudes weren't playing the prayer. And Damien right. and all that shit. You know what I mean? Right. It was like, right. yeah. fucking get You're at right. me, dog. Stop being greedy, flesh in my flesh, all that shit, right? To get you jacked up to go fuck somebody up or whatever. So I feel like that crowd, that felt natural to them because, like Mike said, they went to DMX for that. Like that side of him, not the mm-hmm. other sides where he talks about struggling, robbing people to eat, slipping. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think right. that that's, crowd that's really the, went to him for that. That's the stuff that they, they kind of navigated around. Like, how's it going down? White dudes weren't banging with that shit. Mm-hmm. Or even right. what's the other one? Takesha, Renisha, Tanisha, yeah, yeah. Ravana. Like, white dudes weren't playing that in their car. They weren't, like, where I'm from, they weren't playing DMX like that type of shit. They were playing the aggressive shit from DMX, like, bust your head through a wall shit. And so I think, like, they, yeah, it was par for the course for them. They were there. They spend their money. They know the DMX. They already know that song. They're saying it, like you said, with impunity already in their hometown, wherever they live with all their friends. Of course they're going to say it, especially if DMX chooses to put it on the set. But I think what Mike said, I think DMX was just like, this joint is going to get people going. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's provocative. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think. All right, boom. boom, you know boom. I, mean? I don't know. So let's hit another break. And when we yes, come back, break. let's talk about yeah. the artist, the artist's responsibility yes. to all this. The stuff that Anthony Kiedis does. Yeah. The stuff that, you know, let's, we'll get into that. This will be crazy. I will be back. Call our coach. Call our coach. Black. Yeah. Double down, boy. New album, Vegas Vic from yours truly, Zilla Rock. First solo album since 96 Mentality. Out on Chong Wizard Records. Right now, available around the world. You can cop the digital on iTunes if you want. You can buy it for a G on Bandcamp if you're a real boss like that. However you want to get it, we got tapes, very limited, CDs also. Beautiful vinyl, all the artwork designed by PQ. Got everybody from Co-op Culture, Wrecking Crew, in the mix. Album executive produced by Disco Vietnam. This joint is fly, energetic, fun. Roulette tables popping. Free drinks all night with the cherry in there. Whatever you want to get, we're doubling down. We're going to get in the car. We're riding out to America's Flavor. Vegas Vic, Zilla Rock, a new album. Out now. Yeah, I was really avoiding it, and these guys were like, we're going to do an episode on it. <laughs> oh, so I, I, fucking, I hate, yeah, I hate Bill go. Simmons and I hate this style of documentary where it's mm-hmm. like I had a thought about something right now and I'm going to make everything about this relate to that one thought I have about something right now yeah. and it's just like it's it's infuriating no I get that I get that it was it was definitely a, a, a very specific narrative yeah. that was spun throughout the entire thing so when I was watching it, I was just like, bro, like a lot of this shit is total trash. I wasn't there, but like I said, yeah. I knew dudes who went and they had no reason to lie about what was going down there. Oh, there no, were yeah, definitely yeah. a lot more than 10 rapes. That oh, hell yeah. Jesus. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. That's that yeah, crazy yeah. part, yo. Oh, but I mean, God, that's, that's the part that I was just like, I was like, that's what I expected. Yeah. Mm. Right. Like that's the shit that was so wild to me were people that were actually pretending to, to be surprised. And I'm like, yeah, you got thousands upon thousands of aggro, horny white dudes. Well, just dudes in general. It doesn't have to be race specific, but just right. aggro dudes. Yeah, and, <laughs> and this, one, this is because this particular <laughs> case it is. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. Because they're like, they're, those kind of kids are not used to being told no by anyone. Yeah, by um, anyone, yeah. You know? So they go to a fest, and there's a, a woman there that feels like showing her tits for whatever reason. Of well, course, they're going to be like, oh, theory. well, you're What's telling me I can fuck you. Yeah, like right. This is an invite. That's here's how it my, works, my, isn't my, it? My theory was... Woods, this is what this is what got it fucked up. If you go to Ozfest, if you go to the Cock Rock shows, if you go to Rock the Bells and all that shit, right? They those brands are not associated with peace, freedom, walking naked in mud, American flag, body paint, mm-hmm. you know, happy face symbols, right? The mm-hmm. women that were going to Woodstock 99 had the idea based on Woodstock 69, Woodstock 94, that you can have, you know, some Birkenstocks on in your tits out with paint on it because we're just being free, right? Mm-hmm. The dudes who were going there, like Mike said, were like, I'm going to see fucking Rage, fucking Megadeth, fucking Metallica, the fucking Peppers. This bitch got titties out. She wants to fuck. <laughs> Why do you sound like Serengeti when you said the Peppers? <laughs> fucking Peppers. <laughs> But I'm saying, like, uh, it was a, it was the branding. Like, yeah. again, Mo- Moby's yeah. a turd. But he pointed out, like, the bill. And he was pointing out, like, oh, no one knows who these people are. Why the fuck are they here? But also, it's like, yes, having dudes that are about that rage and that angst and shit next to women that mm. are like, I came to sit in the sun with my titties out, not shave my armpits, and live off the land or whatever, because that's the nature. My mom went to Woodstock. My yeah. My, yep. my older sister went to Woodstock 94. She just hit, hit the hacky sack with her titties out. It was great. You know what I mean? Like that I, to me, that was their potential, their idea of what it was versus like, I haven't been to Ozfest, but like you're not going to Ozfest with your titties out painting an American flag and, you know, smiley faces on them and shit. You know what I mean? Like that's like that hippie culture shit from back in the day. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to rock the bells with your titties out. It doesn't, no, no, it, no. it doesn't associate that way. So. And those other those other fests are different types of people. Like if you right. did go if you did go to Ozfest and decide to whip your tits out, the odds of something nefarious happening to you is not oh, nearly as high right. as as something like a fucking Woodstock '94. Like yeah. if, if somebody goes to Coachella and walks around with their with their with their breasts out the whole time, I bet you not, probably she'll be fine. Right. She'll be yeah. fine because it's the type of people. But yeah. that fest knew that they were fucking catering to these types of dudes. That's why when they when they interviewed that organizer, he was like, "Oh yeah, you guys are exaggerating how many rapes there were. There's, there was only mm. like there was only like seven. Listen to that. <laughs> Talk about that dude for a minute though. All right, let's yeah. Go. Like to me, yes. like we've been blaming like MTV, blaming the bands. That dude is who deserves all the fucking blame. He's yeah, a piece of shit. That dude's a Talk fucking piece of shit, money grubbing scumbag. Yep. He that shit, created man. this fucking environment, basically created a prison to hold mm. everybody in for a couple of days. Yep. 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 Overcharged them for it. everything. Yep. Didn't supply everything enough. Did not provide them with the basic necessities. Got fucking defensive when anybody ever questioned him about that shit. That was like, you had a right to do this. Reporters. This yep. is my right to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, that dude was the biggest scumbag on the planet. Even his partner knew, like, I'm not going to get involved in this because mm-hmm. we fucked up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, you could oh. tell he, like, he had actual regret. His partner yes. seemed like he had regret. 
Homeboy that organized did, the first he... joint, the dude in the motorcycle, yeah. the the billowing yeah. hair, that dude, the motorcycle yeah. guy. That's him. Yeah, him. yeah. The, but the, the other the guy other was dude blaming John Deere or whatever his name was. Yeah, the other guy was just blaming Limp Bizkit. Yeah, he was. He was scumbag. He's yeah. a fucking scumbag. Um, I, I we're just back from a break. Fuck it. Um, I, I wanted to say this right here. All right, here, here, here's the wow. the angel on top of the Christmas tree. All this shit. The the Limp Biscuit Kid Rock angle. All right. So I remember when all that was happening, when all that music was hitting, I bought the Limp Biscuit album, Significant Other, for the Method Man joint, right? Because the premiere beat to me still an amazing premiere beat. Like, still one of great premiere beats. Beat I do fire, that. right? Yes. And back then, again, this is right before Napster, the the, the, the biggest point of the industry, no singles. You got to buy the whole CD to get the one joint. I did, right? And I remember, again, Korn having a fucking tagging hate fest going back and forth, bombing on his dude in school. But I remember the dudes in my school that like Korn had their hair real long, you know, stitched on the backpack, hunched over, pale-ass dudes, right, fucking with Korn. And then when you had Kid Rock, it was like he was like even Ba with a Ba. That hook is some 80s block party shit. Bob, yep. Bob, the bang, the bang, diggy, diggy. You know what I mean? But none of his fans know that shit. None of them, yeah. right? And yeah. so before we, you know, when we were when we were scheduling this call, I was like, yo, I want to go back. Because number one, I never listened to Corn in my life, ever. I just knew the singles. Two, I, I owned the Limp Bizkit album, but I haven't listened to them in 20 years. So I, I played the Corn the joint, uh, Follow the Leader. And then I skimmed through the Limp Biscuit first three albums, right? <laughs> the Corn album, and again, you guys might know this. This might not be news to you. The Corn album has Ice Cube. It's yep. got Slim Kid Trey from Far Side. Yeah. And then it's got a battle joint between Fred Durst and Jonathan Davis. So there's yep. like, and then the, and there's like 808s on that album. Like they got a bass player, but then some songs just have like an 808, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know Corn's connection with hip hop. But it's on this fucking album. Mm-hmm. Like Ice Cube is like getting a nice check to rap about nothing. You know what I mean? Hitting that angry white kid demo hardcore on his record. And then Slim Kid Trey, he's actually kind of ill on the song. Like the music isn't terrible. But then when you hear Fred Durst and Jonathan Davis go back and forth, like battling each other, it's there's one part that's actually funny because Fred Durst makes fun of Jonathan Davis fucked up ass teeth. But the rest of the shit is so painful. And it's just like, this is weird, man. Like, I, I don't understand the appeal of corn. Maybe because someone can explain corn to me. Yeah, I, I just think there was it. the hip hop sensibilities into it and some of the, you know, the scream lyrics like Jonathan. I like their musical arrangements always would appeal to me. So I would end up like liking their songs. I told you, I, I even got to follow the, the leader of Freak on the Leash, whatever that one was with the girl right. on the front because of the animated video and all that stuff. And it was just this appeal that they, they fit like I told you, I was in all of those type of groups. So they fit within those groups, even they, even though they didn't have like a residential rapper, like, you know, would give you eight bars or like stupid ass um, Incubus DJ with the duva duva, and that's all he would ever do, you know, on, on any song. Um, I, there was a thing to me with Portishead and how they included hip hop in their stuff. So if anybody else was doing like Portishead light with that inclusion, I would try to check in. You know, I was like looking for another port set, just to be honest with you, even though nobody even came close. It was just I, I thought I would see the crumbs and I go buy Stained album because I have it. I can, I'm looking at it right now, the CD and like um, Papa Roach and Puddle of Mud. Like, I didn't know any better. Like, 
puddle of mud. mud. Yeah, he, An- another fitted hat. He, backwards. he had the fitted yes. hat backwards. The, no, it yeah, might even no. be the original fitted hat backwards group. He, he was definitely highly yeah, with Limp the fitted hat. The pioneers, bro. No, yeah, the puddle mud was before Limp Bizkit. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. No, they were nah, bro. No, no. Way. no. Nah, puddle of mud came way later. That's like early really? O's. You know what? You might be thinking an ugly kid joke because those two motherfuckers. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I don't remember. Okay, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yep. Ugly yeah. kid, Joe. Did the uh, last year, Mike? Did you guys fuck with Cornyn or any any capacity? No, no, good. So, um, no, I mean, honestly, like that music was the epitome of shit to me. Like, oh, because I I grew up like you know I would I was young like from maybe like sixth grade to tenth grade I was really into metal, right. and like for for me like that time was like when the big four and if you're not familiar with the big four it's like Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, yeah. and Megadeth were huge. Mm-hmm. So it was like all of that. Like I grew up like on Iron Maiden, and then like, what's that? The core, core four. four. The core four. Yeah. <laughs> then then I got into hip hop. So it was like those groups seemed like they took the worst elements of all the music and yes. put it together yes. to make a shit salad. And it was fucking. It was awful. It was like all of that shit. Incubus suck. Lincoln Park is Yo, watch ass your mouth. Cheeks. Don't talk that about shit. All like that. Sucks. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, 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 that. that shit all sucks ass. <laughs> It's not good music. It's like it's real, like cynical, the cash best grab terrible bullshit. band of all time. I'm not, no, not here. I fuck with best terrible I fuck band with Lincoln Park because there at least there's some hip hop purity well, within. Shinoda did no, the, steel, the styles no of Beyond. Shinoda Party, and, and Mr. Han. No, basically, no, wait, wait. Mike Shinoda no, signed Apathy self-titled. I don't care who he signed. <laughs> they suck. They're garbage. Yeah. No, they I agree. Mike, Mike Snow is one of the yeah. worst rappers of all time. No, they're, yeah. they're, it's He's fucking terrible. garbage music. So, but again, I'm look. I like Chester. Like I'm looking for little elements. If you have that little sprinkle, like I said, if you yeah. had that Portis head thing, I would roll with you. Or at least yeah. I would I, buy I, that. I'm fuck with. I'd rather listen if I'm gonna listen to a band with a DJ. I'll listen to fucking um, Sugar Ray. <laughs> Like that's Put how bad all that. How bizarre! Put your arms around me, girl. DJ, I thought that shit sucked. Oh, Sorry, oh, DJ oh, or DJ Hurricane. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. No, yeah, no, I never, I never. Well, I can't say I never got into corn because one of my one of my first like heavy music concerts, I went to see um, Biohazard and House of Pain, Whoa. and Corn opened. And no one knew who Corn was, and we were all like, "Who the fuck Corn?" And they're one of the one. I think the R was backwards. Yep, like, who the fuck yes. is Corn? And it's spelled with a K. This is weird. And when they played, we were like, "Shit, this is not bad." Because it was just really fucking heavy. Mm. Their first album, there was really no hip hop influence. It was just, it was very simplistic heavy music. Again, mm. appealing to those jock dude bros who don't want to hear instrumentation. They just want something that's pointlessly heavy. Yeah. Mm. So when, when I saw them, I was just like, oh, this band's not bad. Then I bought, I bought the CD and the dude was yelling about, you know, there's a song on there. I'm not a, I'm not a faggot. And I was like, ah, right. I'm good on this. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm straight. I'm not going to listen, not straight sexually. I'm, I'm just not going to listen to this shit. Right. Right. Yes. Um, they didn't get that hip hop element until I guess it's the album after that. Yeah, but I think what what they were appealing to was these jocks who Metallica wasn't Metallica was too fast for them. You know what I mean? Like they weren't they couldn't like really beat people up to fucking anthrax. You know what I mean? But But anthrax was almost all that was a response to like because the jocks were into hair metal at that time. 
Mm. And like Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, all of that was a response to that shit. Right, right. So it was like the antithesis of the jock shit until much later on. And like, even the, even though they the jocks didn't know that, I think they could feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they didn't know the history of why the bands played the way they played, mm. but they but they could still feel like they weren't necessarily welcome in those you know in those circles. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But when Corn showed up. Instead of having this dude with long hair and tattoos and a big pentagram on his shirt, you mm. have some dude in fucking Adidas sweatsuits. Yes. You know, okay. playing heavy music. So I'm it appealed to them. Okay. All right. So here's, I want to get to that. The Adidas, like the signifiers, right? So okay. when I when I played the Limp Biscuit, I, I went through $3 bill, y'all, um, which originally was titled Queer is a $3 bill, and they changed it to $3. Really? Bill. Correct. Wow. Yes, really? that was going to be the name of that, right? Cool. Um, then wait, what was it? I'm sorry. The, I, I... the very first Limp Bizkit album is called Three Dollar Bill, y'all. Yeah. Right? The original plan for the title was going to be called Queer as a Three Dollar Bill. Okay. And, and see, the like throwing that, throwing that y'all, and it makes it like hip hop ish. No, no, no. Of... So that yeah, that well, then they changed it to Three Dollar Bill, and then they put y'all because they're from the South. They're like, ha ha ha, right? Are so, they? Yes, they're from well, Florida, which is his own country. Oh, Florida is um, south, though. Tampa That's or south. Jacksonville, whatever fucking armpit probably, he's from. So, probably uh, shout to our fans in <laughs> Jacksonville. No, um, no, my, my, I got fam. My girl's family in Jacksonville. Okay, no shots to them. All right, so he, so I, I played the first three Limp Bizkit albums and like snippets and some full songs. The the music, the actual instrumentation and music of that band is is actually kind of cool. The problem is. Fred Durst is like my note was if Monster Energy was a singer, like he is mm. Monster Energy the man. Like everything about people like that drink Monster Energy is like three cans a day. Like Fred Durst is the one, right? And all his songs are about like wanting to fight people, mm-hmm. talking about fucking people up, which is hilarious because he would get snuffed quick, or dumping someone because you know she's a piece of shit, obviously. Or just being like obnoxious. Like he just has songs about just doing like CKY jackass shit. Like that's his mm-hmm. era, right? Then he has a line on the th- the third album, Chocolate Starfish, which everything about is repugnant. The fucking songs, the artwork is Wait, trash. The chocolate Starfish and, and the hot, hot dog, dog water. flavored water. That's the everything name about of the album. it was repug. Like literally. And everything they did was on purpose to fucking like degrade everything about them like they picked their name like that to be repugnant everything was like a troll move right he says a line on the third on chocolate starfish where he says quote i've seen fight club 28 times fight club we didn't talk about it let's talk about it so before we so get to fight club this- though real quick okay, i want i want to i just want to wrap up the limp biscuit notes so the first this second album had method man right um the third album had exhibit Mm-hmm. Who should fucking know better? But on a beat produced by DJ Lethal, the beat is Tridash. It's not even like they got in mugs or like Lord Finesse, right? But shouldn't then, shouldn't Method Man and Premiere know better too? Well, they both at least made fifty thousand dollars off that, and they should have known better too. Um, and then on the third album, they also did the theme song for Mission Impossible too, which I forgot. Really? <laughs> oh shit! And they did. Oh, I gotta go the back. The music is fire. But when you have to hear Fred Durst and listening to their music, he either does 
two vocal styles. He either does this shit, fuck it up right now, f- shut the fuck up. Like he does that, or he does the. <laughs> so funny. Like he he he's terrible. Like he is abjectly terrible as a musician. But when Mike said the track suits, this is what I want to throw in. My biggest suspicion about Fred Durst and, and to a lesser extent, Jonathan Davis is when you wear Adidas, right? The epitome of B-boys, all right? Around the world. Right, right. Fred Durst will wear the Adidas sneakers. Jonathan Davis and them were wearing the track suits, right? Where did they get that from? Because like we're saying, they aren't fucking with um chino xl they're not fucking with raz kaz they're not fucking with there well, we beastie go boys to and me also, it's beastie and boys also, um um first out beastie boys first album. european culture like soccer clubs they wear a lot nah, of nah, they weren't they were, that yeah, wasn't hitting over beastie here yet. Boys. you're giving them way okay. too much credit it's beastie Sorry. boys and then to me my other guess was anthony kiedis because Kiedis uh, was doing that. He rapping, was kind of talking and rapping, but then I'm singing, but I'm yep. not really rapping, but I'm singing again. And, like, and I'm not really singing either. You know what I mean? Like doing that shit where he would bend and fucking use his hands like he was rapping. Rap hands. He yes, he did seriously as a rapper. Yep. So when I listen to Limp Biscuit, Fred Durst keeps saying shit like, busting the dope rhyme. These beats are hard. Hit you with the beat. Like he would say like B-boy shit. You know what I mean? Like 80s B-boy talking about, but then like, I'm a fuck you fuck up, pussy. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, yo, this is license to ill. Like all mm. of the worst elements of license to ill with those dudes disavowed and you know distance themselves from, but it's license to ill. You know what I mean? It's not check your head, it's not ill communication. They weren't they weren't mm-hmm. talking that shit by that point. And that's closer in time to Limbiskin and Corn than License the Ill. Same yeah. thing with Kid Rock. It's like when he comes along, beasties are fucking massive by combining rap and rock and punk and all that shit. I, my guess is the labels and these dudes all was like, oh shit, we could crack the fuck off if we take a page out of Beasties book. Yeah, like you know I said, I mean? that like, wasn't Kid Rock's first iteration. He was right. trying to be a straight up Rapper, B boy, DJ. Yes, you know he wasn't what I mean? trying to be no Almond Brothers ass bullshit. No, nope. Bob Seeger, go fuck yourself, bro. He wasn't on that wave. So my thing is, when they were trying to bite the beasties, but being like the most repugnant version of "We Got to Fight for Your Right to Party," to me, like listening to all that music in a short amount of time, I'm like, it's all there. You know, and like and like Alaska said, if you're gonna book these motherfuckers, that's who's coming to the show, bro. You know what I mean, like. He knew that. He knew that shit. That's all I wanted to say about that. I'm sorry. He totally knew that shit. I think that that they adopted those things because there was no one else in heavy music doing it. Like, I don't like any of that music. I think it's all fucking terrible. But I can actually say that I respect those bands for starting a total wave that didn't exist prior. True. Like, nothing sounded like Corn when Corn came out. Nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, I thought it was awful, but it was at least innovative, you know, but I think that the whole outfit thing, like they knew that they had to have something. It's funny, like they always shit on like the the boy bands for like the fancy outfits and all that. You have. Yeah. You're in a band where you're always in a fucking stupid backwards hat. Then you got Wes Borland's goofy ass. It's always painting his face and shit. It's the same type of shit. Jonathan Davies with the white dreadlocks. Oh, and then homeboy is always a conversation start. The fucking bass player would always wear the FUBU. 
Remember right. Yeah. Right. Always wearing the FUBU jersey, the football jersey. Yep. But it's like, again, to me, it's like, like I was watching the Limbisca video for like, you know, Faith, right? You know, when they live, flip George Michael. Yeah. Know, and he's the, wearing, he's wearing a bomber, right? He has the no, big no, no, on. Um, yeah. But well, the beginning of the video is them doing the Beastie Boys style, the slow motion shot where he's in the camera in between the tour buses and Wes Borland's dressed like sabotage in the video. Mm-hmm. Where he's got the fucking bushy mustache and the aviators and the wig. You know what I mean? Like, it's them being like, ha, 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 ha. And then, like, WCs in the video and all these motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> that's funny. That, them, like, fronting for, you know, the most macho rappers. But, again, it's like they're not listening to, you know, fucking Motion Man and Dell and all that shit. Or, like, interested in, you know, oh, where did this break come from? Oh, it's Jimmy Smith. That's crazy. That that's a Beastie Boys thing to be like, oh shit, you know, Gil Scott Heron's ill. Let's flip his shit. These dudes were like, yo, pussy beer. <laughs> like that was their whole bongs and shit. You know, Alaska, you like your child. Yeah, I mean, they were oh no, go ahead, Alaska. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just gonna say, like, you know, there's also like sort of industry rappers have notoriously shitty taste in rock music. 100%. Yeah. So then, yes. like, coupling with these groups, I mean, like, remember how everybody fucking loved Maroon 5 for like three years or Coldplay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Coldplay. they were like, ooh, these are the best rock well, bands ever. Now, Coldplay first three albums, but continue. For the first album. I mean, no, sure. Masterpiece. But, um, you know, it was like, it's, that's all I want to say. Fucking industry <laughs> people are the worst I fucking taste. Say, Because I it's all, it's all business for them. Like, they see yes. like an opportunity to make money. And I guess to your point about, Premier and Method Man, like, okay, it's an opportunity to make money. This is our business. Right. We're not in the, this isn't for the art. This is no, for the paycheck. No. Right. We're right. going to run. Maybe we could be the Buddha Sud. Got good method on the track. <laughs> like, his shit is so buns, bro. Like, his bars are bad. Like, not even Anthony Kiedis bad. That where he's like, I'm talking shit like this. I'm the smacking my hands and flee. And like, nah, this dude <laughs> thinks he's, go, he's going off. He thinks he's rock him out here. But you know why you don't like it? Because you listen to actual hip hop, correct? Right. But, the, but the dudes that don't, that shit is so simplistic. They love it. It totally yeah. makes sense for them. Like they're not gonna listen to something like Cool G Rap because it's too complex mm. for them. Yeah. But they can listen to Limp Bizkit because it's easy to memorize. It's easy to identify with because it's just pointlessly angry and it's yeah. talking about quote unquote bitches. And you know, people up every and song. fucking people up. That's what those kids know. And if you think about it, like this was this was a group of industry dudes making hip hop friendly for white kids who would not normally think hip hop. They're doing the same shit that fucking little Dicky does or that mm-hmm. Asher Roth did. It's the same mm-hmm. shit. And I'm not yeah. even hating on those guys. I mean, I hate right. little Dicky, but I don't have any problem with Asher Roth. But I'm just like, I get what it is. I see it. And the industry dudes know what it is too. They know that yeah. that these kids at that moment were not gonna go out and listen to actual hip hop. But when you look at someone like Exhibit, I mean, shit, he wasn't he already doing fucking the Pimp My Ride shit by that point? Potentially, yeah, right. it, it yeah. intersected. Pimp so it yeah, he was huge. He was MTV mainstay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 I was gonna say MTV. You know, they're there with the um, you know, with their with their hand on the gear shift. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, I mean, to a small degree, like, I'm sure people, like, to a small degree, of course, I think that the dudes that were in, like, Limp Bizkit, they knew of 
hip hop. Like they knew of Premiere. You know what I mean? Right. They they probably didn't listen to fucking Gangstar like or that. Group home or some shit. Right. 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 Like they knew of certain elements, and they they probably thought like, yeah, we have this white kid shit on lock, but it would kind of be cool to have like a little bit of of hip hop cred. So maybe right. if we get fucking Method Man on here, that would make right. sense because you know. But I always thought it was interesting. And even if they didn't, they there was an A and R that did. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I always thought yes. it was interesting who they pick. Isn't it easier just to get Karis One and just call it a day? Karis One probably wouldn't have done. Karis wasn't popping back then. No, he was okay. not. Okay. Okay. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. White kids didn't give a fuck about Karis One at that point, but they loved Method Man because he was from Wu and he was like the really good looking guy. Good looking guy. Superstar. And he didn't he have the How High movie by then? Oh, you're probably right. Yeah. I don't think that was yeah, yeah, he, that wasn't. But, it, he, but did he, was have, he did have super, a higher he was belly. exposure. He was, he was on more songs. He was yes. on Belly. He was yes. he was the one doing a lot of features. So yeah, if, if they had to close like their eyes, two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. If they had to close their eyes and pick a Wu Tang member, they, but even they would the all. Man's verse is fucking Tridash on them songs, bro. Of His course it is. He probably didn't give a fuck. No, but he made fifty bands. Like he was exactly. Sad. You yep. know what I mean? But like you know, like when this motherfucker says, "Who could be the boss? Look up to the cross, stranded in the land of the lost, standing up <laughs> sideways, I'm blazing up the path, running sideways to rap." What the fuck? <laughs> What are you saying to me right now, bro? Shut uh, up. You never listen to AZ in your life. No. You never listen to the fucking Project no. Blowed. You, you don't know none of this shit. You know, you know Beastie Boys. You know, like, Billboard shit. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you know. You know Billboard Top 10. You don't know shit about rap. That's all he right. had to know. And then, you know. <laughs> He didn't have because like who would be imp- who would like if he if he was listening to Project Blowed and that type of shit, right? Right. And he showed up to an actual like rap rap show who the fuck is gonna hang out with him no one but if he goes to a fucking frat boy party and walks in busting those whack-ass raps everyone there's gonna be like yo this guy can rap this is fucking cool spin another verse fred you know what i mean yes and he's got the bars (laughs) he's gonna say uh, he's gonna say, so "What's it all about? Okay. Where we gonna run? Maybe we can be the bone of sun. Discretion is advised. What a blood version does. Lipping on the track with the method. So get this unblock and get one shot. What the fuck? Come on, bro. This was a speaking spell shit. Fisher Price. Stop, stop, man. He had hundreds of thousands of motherfuckers rapping his shit at that whack ass festival. Yo, and that's, yo, that's all yo, that, that matters. Second, yo, that third album, Chocolate Starfish, is no, the fast, is the fastest selling bro. rock album in music history. Really? Ass, he did four hundred thousand first day. Are you serious? I, I looked at that shit up, bro. Wow. And you know what? I worked at a record store when we started buying back new CDs. Motherfuckers got three hundred copies of that shit came in day one. People selling that album right back to us. Wow. We were selling that shit for four dollars. People bought it for eighteen. We gave them two dollars. We sold it for four dollars, right next to the new shit. You know what I mean? That that shit came and went quick, bro. How quickly the mighty fall. Yeah, and then speaking of Fred, y'all seen his new look with the um? He's a fucking the, the, bum, bro. The red, he has the Where he red, looks like a pedophile. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with the members only jacket, the red shades, and that weird ass wig. I don't know what's happening. Bum. Yo, real quick, let, let's talk about the Fight Club angle. Because we, we, we talked about okay, that on the White yeah, Rabbit episode. Hit me with the fight. Well, it's it's so, behind so, you right now, behind your shoulders, the, the Fight Club poster. Okay. Yeah, so I have, um, I have a so Fight Club. Are, are we going to actually talk about the festival at some point? <laughs> I think we we have it. I thought we have. What the fuck are you talking about? We have it. I mean, we missed one of the. We, we didn't talk about one of the, the the dopest parts of the whole festival was when they were fucking playing around and shit. Oh, yeah. So I great. all right. So so there was, there was all this mud reporting. If anybody knows about it, they saw all those pictures. 
I didn't know that it was like, hey, this is also the overflow from the porta potties. I thought it was mud from like, and they were like, no, they couldn't say with any certainty that there wasn't feces Ugh. mixed in with that. A lot of but pink that makes me look at all a lot of, of fucking pink eye. That that's crazy, thing. man. But you could wait. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm a kid from Brooklyn, so I don't know much. But shit smells, right? So if you're well, mud, mud, well, if you're sitting in a hundred three degree asphalt in upstate New York when it's just disgusting in general, and you're a stupid fucking drug. Oh asshole, my like god! You're not, so they're not going to separate diarrhea from like. So was there a layer of odor at this thing? Then that probably. be better. I, I, oh, it would stop. have to be. I don't. I don't even want to talk about that party. I'm talking about the flight club. <laughs> bag. I was on the flight club bag real quick because okay, the last one. I want to talk about the festival, so we just did. Okay, so look, Fight Club. Hit him. Hit him. Fight Club drops, and this must have been like what Scarface was to the hood, because this was like <laughs> all of their dreams. These it's the original paid in full for angsty white dudes and this is all their dreams come true this 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 wanton spirit that takes them away from their proletariat slavery lives and mm. gives them purpose and it was all right. bromancing a lot of bros bros men living together no, no shirts women, on no sweaty everywhere <laughs> yes making soap but no women no women except, uh, no except women Mar- i gotta Mar- keep Marla saying singer except Marla gotta singer. keep saying no women around yeah. And it just seemed like this was the like the the the, the theme to this to this anti um, culture of this because it was everything they wanted to come true. And mm-hmm. I remember liking Fight Club, but more for the cinematic touches, the yeah. multiple personality disorder. But the Operation Mayhem, I didn't key into how that was like actually a thing, and that certain men wanted that thing to be a thing. Mm. Like I didn't I didn't know how semi realistic it could be in terms of like turning a fight club, male bonding into a terrorist organization <laughs> of, of anarchists and stuff. So the fact that that was around um, and became, but That's see, fight, but the funny thing is, fight club was not a hit movie. Yeah, it, wasn't. it was not a hit movie then because I mean, fight club also, the nuances of fight club come when you watch it multiple times and when you're a little mm-hmm. older. So the fact that these kids were the manifestation of that, they were doing that against their own will. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. When you get older into your twenties, mid twenties, and you take and you watch Fight Club as part of some college class or some shit, right. then you start realizing the themes and how it was actually written by an adult for adults. And um, I can't remember the guy's name, Penchak, but it was based on a book. Chuck Palahniuk. You know, oh, Chuck, yeah, Chuck Palahniuk. Thank you. Yeah. So you know, okay, there's a so, lot. Of, so real yeah. quick, can we talk about Fight Club real quick? Do it. Yeah. Fight Club came it. out in October, and Woodstock was in July. So right. Fight Club shouldn't even be part of this conversation, Agreed. really. I was looking that up as you were saying it, literally. But, but the irony of when, when Fred Durst said Club. on the third album, I've watched Fight Club 28 times. Yeah. That's an actual quote. So I'm just saying, but like, he, the but he, he, this goes back to my problem with this documentary being like, we're going to take everything we think about this exact second and then force feed it into mm-hmm. the whole this thing that happened 20 years ago. Right. Okay. Like, that's the yeah. shit Bill Simmons does all the time with fucking everything. Yeah, he's yeah. and it's like it creates this bullshit world of fucking think piece culture and that's all this is it's like a bad think piece where it's like the people that are are talking in this thing they all like i have this idea that i want to talk about somehow i'm going to fucking shoehorn it in here correct that's, that's, i'm going to yeah. talk about like how this whole thing is like all bro rape culture right. disgusting assholes right. but also they're standing up to the corporate greed of capitalism right that was weird <laughs> like what the fuck are you talking about which one is it 
Right. That was and what was the Napster angle? Why are why were they yeah, like, Napster? That was yo, yeah, that, was, that was the last the shoving industry. everything in. That was the and industry was, making I, 10 billion that year. That wasn't Napster. Yeah, but they were acting like this was the last hurrah before Napster came crumbling yeah, over. I mean, that, that's correct, but that's not for And like these are the same years. people that are like they spend the whole time talking about like how music can save the world. Like music <laughs> right. was all this powerful shit. It's so powerful, but we're also not going to blame music for the violence. <laughs> and that's and that's you know another point it's, like, it's just these up. people that have these fucking stupid ideas that they allow to talk about shit that don't know shit about shit like the most fucking like the people that talked in this thing that i was like okay you make good points a fucking asshole moby i know yes. and yeah. fucking right. dave mustaine i'm like yes why are these the only people that are he looks like the sense? fucking red skull reanimated right now bro. He's, <laughs> he looks bad out here straight up and my funniest thing was they were like Three women played at Woodstock '99. Yo, Woodstock '94. Six women played. Oh, right, right. Okay, it wasn't like this fucking you. utopia of feminism, dog. It wasn't <laughs> Lilith Fair. It was six, still less than seven. And people died at that shit too, didn't they? Yeah, I don't even, yeah. I don't even know. So they're definitely, uh, definitely, you know, documentaries definitely point us in the direction they want us to go. As yeah, to and there was there was a whole point where they were like. Like, this was the boomers forcing the shit upon us. I'm like, you had half a million people almost at this thing. Nobody forced this shit on anybody. <laughs> it was like, they wanted to go, like, just get off of, like, you're stupid. Like, I only know about this fucking second of culture. And everything else is this second of culture. It's the only way I could talk about it through this lens. It's like my major problem with fucking, like, it's like talk thing. You're breaking up. Wait, wait, wait. You're breaking up. Say that again. Oh, I was just saying it's like it's my my major issue with like this type of criticism in general. They don't actually talk about what they're talking about. No. They always want to like subvert it into some other thing. Mm-hmm. And paint paint around the edges, color outside the lines. Yeah. yeah, fuck all that. Oh man. Well, uh why don't we take a quick break? We'll, we'll wrap it up. Closing thoughts on Alaska's favorite documentary of the last 25 years. Woodstock 99 on HBO. <laughs> Brought to you by Bill Simmons. It was worth $250 million somehow. What are we but doing it, wrong? You think it could have been a real interesting documentary if you took that element out of it. The Bill Simmons right. part of it? The whole the <laughs> Bill Simmons element. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's, he's terrible. Yeah. He, he's the one that said, I swear to God, like six years ago, when the Memphis Grizzlies started losing a key playoff game at home, he's like, you could feel it in the crowd. It's the same feeling they had when Dr. Martin Luther King was murdered on the balcony. Stop, just stop. I don't even don't he said that no, in a piece. Yeah, they're he's like, a fucking good. idiot. He's like, the, fan, the fans all know what it's like here in Memphis. They went through the MLK assassination. I'm like, you're talking about a oh fucking basketball game in 2000. All of history is happening so he can have a thought. Everything that's happened in history happened so he can have a thought on this exact moment. And like all the people he has, like Wesley Morris, the, he um, sucks, the woman dude. from Wesley Spin, sucks too. He like sucks. the most interesting Stephen person, Hyden? Was like John Hyde or Stephen Hyde, and he sucks in dude, general. Barry, like, yo, shouts to Disco Vietnam. Like, Barry, Barry's been going at Stephen Hyde for nine years on Twitter, called him soft and garbage. <laughs> yeah, he's right. awful, and he was like the best part of this as far as like the journalist aspect of it. All I wanted to say when he was talking was, I'm like, you are an outside fan. I hate people to say that, but I'm like, you are an outside fan. Yeah. You are an outside. <laughs> That's just some street shit to say. <laughs> but I'm like, you are an outside. You weren't wearing Tim's with the broccoli on when fucking court was banging. You weren't out on these streets, fam. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. 
Steel's Kitchen, the new compilation from us, Wrecking Crew. The follow-up to last year's Raheem's Lament, dropping June 4th at WreckingCrew.Bandcamp.com. All new joints from Shrapnel, Career Crooks, Cargo Colts. All new solo songs from me, Small Pro, Curly Castro, and Prembach. Alaska's on there. Marcus Penn's doing cuts all up and then out piece. Fresh Kills got a beat on there. Shouts to Canada. We got Jason Griff on this piece. Stan Ipkiss. Fat Boy Sharif, our very dear friend. Scorsese, rest in peace. He's on there. Yo, man. Disco Vietnam, Dose 4GW. Woo. Master by Cryptic, one of Adam's fam, and artwork and design by PQ. Family Affair. And our family's the illest. Wrecking Crew Steals Kitchen, June 4th. Get it. The Lock Culture Podcast brought to you by The Ringer and Bill Simmons Industries. Um, we're going to wrap up this episode of Mike C-Town. Grantland. 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 Let's change our podcast name to Grantland. Grantland.com presents <laughs> Culture. <Call out> culture. <laughs> and The Ringer brought to you by, uh, yeah, whatever, Bud Light, whatever the fuck his commercial <laughs> is. Um, so uh, any anything, I guess we'll just wrap it up here. Anything of uh, of note that you learned about yourself, that you learned about music, when you watch it again? <laughs> I listen to a lot of Limp Bizkit. I learned, I learned, don't give out candles and think that, <laughs> like I remember when they, the fires were starting, I said, wait a minute, that organ, because it was such a nice, soft-spoken black man. Oh, we're just fanning out candles. Said, so, you know, we're going to have a moment of silence. He was, he, he was so well-meaning. They had boxes and boxes of these things. They didn't think they would be looking at Dante's Inferno a few hours later. Oh I was just like, that was just like, you know, um, did I learn anything about myself? <laughs> what was I doing in 1999? I was in college. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I you know. Were that I've never... to, you were listening to Cali Ages 12 inches with, with a close ear. Yeah. I definitely was. And FC and Buck. He was blending it with. Uh... With, damn, I forgot the name of the group. Michael Papa Morris, Roach Records. Papa Roach and, and Cali Ages to take Castro home. I had my stained CDs, like, you know, you keep them open when you're counting. into pieces. This <laughs> is my, my life. Yeah, my favorite thing about the whole genre is like these motherfuckers talk about committing suicide in a four hundred fifty thousand dollar house. You know what I mean? Like that shit is always like slime socks. I only got Xbox One, PlayStation Two, every fucking album. Fuck this. You know what I mean? Anyway, good times, man. Good that was time. a good time. Alaska, any any self reflection? Any thoughts? All right, he's on mute. We'll get back to him. Mike, and anything you you rediscovered about your life? Watch it. What's stuff back? <laughs> No, it just brought back memories. Like I said, man, like I remember hearing the stories when when these dudes came back and they were like, yeah, water was four dollars and there was people playing in shit. And some of us thought it was mud. And and then they lit it on. They lit everything on fire and tore tore the walls down. I was like, what? And of course, my thinking, I'm like, oh, Radius Machine got y'all riled up. But then I was like, no, 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 no. You guys were just angry, fucking rich white kids that just wanted a reason to be mad. And, and fucking Fred Durst said, break shit. Isn't that one of his jams? So they just started breaking shit. And then that just shows how fucking stupid these kids are, man. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. It's just like. Yo, my favorite, man, when I listen to that shit now, when he's like, I'll pack a chainsaw, I'll cut your ass roll. I was like, bitch, I'll smack (laughs) you with an open hand across your face in front of your girl. You won't do shit. (laughs) Poor Fred. Poor Fred. You tried. Some fucking shit tonight. (laughs) It's all about the he say, he say, boom. He's like, just one of them days. 
I'm like, man. It just it just reinforces why I was so fucking why I hated all of that shit so much. Like when when I knew dudes that were getting into that, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you listening to this? They're Slayer. What is your problem? Oh, he told me so. But Jesus hey, man, Christ. you know, a, a lot of they that all that shit introduced a lot of young kids into metal in general. So it's whatever. But the only thing this documentary did is, like I said, just brought back memories of when I remember all of this shit happening and thinking it was fucking. This was like the original Firefest. I was sitting at home fucking laughing my ass off, being like, you guys paid a whole bunch of money to be drowned in shit and, and not have any water. Like it's fucking incredible. I love it. You guys deserve this and worse. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's like the the moviegoers at the end of Inglorious Bastards that get fucking trapped yes. in there and set on fire. Like that's yes. hey man, you would have battled with Hitler all day. This 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 got an expiration date, bro. This this ain't gonna go yep. on forever, bro. The like, only dude I felt bad for was the, the poor guy that like was writing those letters. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. and he was like, all I, I this isn't funny. I shouldn't. I don't know why I'm laughing, but he was just like. All I want to see is Metallica, man. That's yeah. all I want. All I want is to go up front for Metallica. Yeah, and homie, yeah. di- homie died for Metallica. He died, he died for Metallica. Who has he died was... for, like, who's died for fucking KRS? Who's no one, died bro. for no Rock one. Scott LaRock. Scott. Oh, that's fucked Sorry, up, that's bro. <laughs> Too soon. Oh, it's only been 38 years. Too, Too soon. soon. <laughs> but, but real quick, my favorite part of Hobie's notes was like, why Clef Jod? Okay, like, it's not feeling Wyclef. He was Yo, like, was uh, no, no opinion on Wyclef. Uh, mm, uh, yeah, Papa Roach. Is yeah, tough. we didn't even talk about Wyclef and his fake ass Jimi Hendrix bullshit oh, he was trying to do. He had an accelerant and lighter fluid, and none of them were catching. Right. <laughs> practice, Yo, practice. Until he threw his record on it. Then it lit on yeah. fire. Can we yeah. keep it a buck? Wyclef is the original cultural appropriator of everything. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> He, he, look, every, every he, very, he, he definitely has like you know vulture in his family he knows what carry on oh, tastes man. like he mm. swoops in he eats dead meat all the time for the day we know that he's all in. but it was interesting that um the documentary as we were saying was painting the way he wanted to paint they didn't show any of the decent acts i i thought there would be more rage they didn't show much rage you yeah, know rage and, like the other, not a prominent you part. know and the other acts that were actually like somewhat decent they didn't show them they were just like the roots here and there. They, they just show black thought with a, with black a sleeveless a lot. Uh, sweater, sleeveless vest, sweater vest 107 degrees i'm like bam i feel like that, 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 that was actually my favorite better. part of the documentary but wait imagine that but crowd, i, I like, know watching that him thinking do. i know they're thinking of being like mm-hmm. it's 85 degrees i'll wear a sweatshirt but i'll wear shorts <laughs> like i know that thinking of when you're young like that type of stupid thinking but imagine him in front of that crowd doing like 100% Dundee, you're like, everybody touch this elephant. They're motherfuckers just confused. They're like, I don't know what's going on with these yeah. guys. Like, are you talking yeah. about fucking somebody up? I'm out. It's not going to get a five-dollar <laughs> Dasani. I'm out of here. It's like, that's not for me. Oh, there was no Dasani back then. Any, any self-discovery during uh, your, your viewing of Woodstock 99, available on HBO via Bill Smith. Um I mean, no self-discovery. I kind of like Mike. I just was sort of like, it was like uh, schadenfreude of just enjoying other people's suffering that deserve to suffer. Um, I really felt bad for that guy, like his friend that got killed, like just sort of like reading for it. I felt really bad for that dude. Um, Because I think there was a lot of people there probably like that too. Mm -hmm. That were like, I'm just going to go see this band I want to see. 
and had like the worst like, I'm time not, of life. I'm not an asshole. I'm just being right. like forced and trapped in this place with all these assholes. Right. Um, and I, I didn't know that Dave Mustaine or Megadeth ended the whole thing with peace sales, but who's buying, which is the perfect fuck you to the Woodstock people, like the mm, promoters. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that, that made my day. And Anthony, Anthony Kiedis is a fucking moron. Like, no, he is a really fun. just solidified the thoughts of him being a fucking moron. He is a fucking jerk. What did he do? He did he did a he did the song Fire he by Jimmy Hendrix. Did, yeah, Fire by Jimi Hendrix at the end, which is hilarious. Which is mm-hmm. hilarious. Right. But he's also Funny, a fucking ass. He yeah, was like you're, 40. You're he wasn't like 21, yeah. like, oh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. He's like, he was on his ninth album when he did that. Like, this motherfucker bit around the world. Knowing crowds, venues, yeah. the temperature, the mood, the promoter, the fucking audience, and he's just like, "Yeah, man, fucking, let's do Jimi Hendrix and take our pants off, whatever." I'm like, "Yo, go fuck yourself." Yeah, I didn't need to see Flea's day. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was weird. yeah, I didn't need to either. That was weird. And, and and that was. The I always first thought they had socks on. I didn't realize that. Or- we never thought slapping the bass. I'm wrapping it up. It's been uh it's been a wild it's been a wild week of of again listening to the Limp Biscuit songs and the catalog and the corn record. Um I just I think I think the the documentary is uh like we said to not even include Eminem when you're talking about the culture of the time when he he arguably held the most sway at that point was fucking hilarious to me like i don't know if anybody could look up whenever the marshall mathers lp dropped like that year what i feel oh, like they hit the summer 99 not so mm-hmm. yeah. it was two th- it wasn't summer. for like a, it was like a year later okay it was, but, he but was it was all, a summer record. he was still all up in everything yeah mtv TRL, shit, right? yeah yeah so yeah. he didn't play the shit dmx did but it's like like we said he he's in cahoots with kid kid rock and all that shit and then kid rock doing like the the pimp i remember that when you have like the white mink yeah and the cane oh my god and then have like his man like the short dude joey with like a mule and then like the short I, dude yeah like his man his, <laughs> joey the, the, he had like a thyroid issue or some shit his oh man from detroit oops. whoever he was um he would come out you know but he had like the derby like run dmc and then he had the fucking adidas but like the leather adidas pants so he was signifying like Oh, I'm with like that old school. Yeah, like yeah, we're about yeah, the real he, had a, he, had a rope, he, he would wear a rope chain for pop. He would wear that shit and then do songs like Aerosmith at fucking award shows and all that. I'm like, bro, if you walked up to Jay Z right Rock, now, he doesn't know who the fuck you are and he doesn't care. Only, only thing I really liked about Kid Rock was his, his black drummer, his black female drummer. She's crazy. That that yeah, she her, that's, her that's, and the, the drummer for Lenny Kravitz, uh, the other black chick with the afro. But I, I'm trying I, to find I, Joey. Who's Joey, man? That was his man. He'd always introduce him. He was like his hype man and shit. That the was little like the, 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 um, the little dude the, from the, the, the oh, 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 the yeah, dude. He, he died. died. Okay. Yeah, he had, he had yeah, like he some passed. like thyroid issue. He was like mad he old, but he looked he looked like a kid. Joe C. Joe C. That was his there name. It is. Yeah, Got I it. just think like Kid Rock. It was like the perfect because he was probably like thirty. Thirty when at that shit point. hit yeah. back then. You know what I mean? He had been through the ringer the industry and all that. He's another one that like masterminded the whole like white trash Bob Seeger run DMC ACDC shit. And I'm like, yo, man, he he's another one where remember he said on stage, like, you know, um, Mark Lewinsky's a fucking whore. Bill Clinton's yep. a motherfucking pimp. pimp yeah. And I'm like, bro, what you're on stage like shouting out the president? Are you kidding me? Like, what's more corny than that? Like giving the president dap. 
and you're a fucking rock star who doesn't give a fuck. Like, are you kidding? Well, me? we know, you know, we know. But we've come to find out he was everything with a corporate show would love to be. So you that's know, what I'm just he, saying. He like, he's, he's a corporate dickhead. But it was just, it was interesting, like to see this shit they cover and what they didn't. And then again, listen to a lot of Limp Biscuit for like three days, and I was like, man, if you put any other competent, solid singer over some of this music, this shit would be kind of fucking fire. Like they would, they would be a band I would go back to here and there because the rest of the that's the good of what about it is it it's not it's him yeah well he he's like he's like the first like superstar like troll who everything was like very deliberate everything about him was deliberate like everything he did was to be an instigator and like Mm -hmm. stick his thumb in your eye and shit so he yeah worked it worked out man the motherfuckers cashed out and sold like 40 million records and shit and then you know with sack 99 is like the festival for people who don't know the difference between good and bad attention Mm, bad attention Yep, great. Yeah, them dudes never, they never drew a joke. All right. All right, so let's wrap let's, it up. Let's, let's get into what, what everybody got going on before we shut it down. Anything currently? Uh, my, new album, my new album, Vegas Vic, is available. Peter Rosenberg just played the song on Sunday night. Okay, player, just dap me up. Shablau. It's on Records. Vinyl is, we're moving to vinyl, man. It's, we're getting it in hand. CDs and tapes are out now. The digital was $1,000 on Bandcamp, so don't fuck around. Buy the tape. Come with that stack. Buy the digital. I mean, don't buy the digital. Well, you can. Buy the digital. That that would be great. That Do would pay for some, some ill kindergarten supplies I need right now with my son. So <laughs> you can fuck with that record of tape and CDs. Them joints are limited. Them shits are moving. So yeah, excited about that record. You'll hear me on a bunch of other podcasts beside ours talking about it. So I want to keep it home team right here. Castro, what do you got, man? What you got, homie? I actually got a release date for my record. Ooh, you want to break the exclusive news? Hell no, I can't say that yet. Okay. Well, but um, I do have a release date. <clears throat> but, so it's exciting. All right, you know, if anybody listening, it's uh, September 24th. Bong. New Curly Castro solo LP. It's your first since, what was your, when, was, when did Tosh hit? Tosh was 2019. 2019. Bong. Two years. Yeah. This is a real good record, too, man. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Alaska, what do you got? Uh, I got a Human Zoo coming out um, September 3rd. Uh, pre-sale October 20th, produced by Jason Griff. Wait, pre-sale October 20th or August 20th? I'm sorry, August 20th. August. We're going to pre-sale August. afterwards. It's post-sale. Time machine shit. Yeah, pre-sale August 20th. Album comes out September 3rd. Um, Human Zoo. So got, uh, you got CDs. Got uh, yeah, we're gonna it's gonna be um a matchbox cassette CD two in one deal. There you go. Um then digital probably do some t-shirts, but um yeah, it's got Fat Boy Sharif on it, it's got uh mm. Love Ulysses featured on it. Um got a bunch a bunch of people doing hooks, which I'm really excited about. No, that's um, not how you say that. Say the features. I mean, yeah, I mean, I got um, Alex Ludovico, I got Prem, I got uh, one song that has hooks from Zilla, Curly Castro, Rob Sonic, Def C, Breezy Bruin, and Mike Eagle. Because wow. the hook repeats Flex. like every two bars. Stop explaining it. That's enough. So. Featuring all of them on the record. God yeah. damn it. Additional vocals from. There you go. <laughs> Right, girls, 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 yeah. man. We got Slick Rick, yep. Q-Tip, yeah. all that motherfuckers, Biz, rest in peace. Yep. Yeah, man. Human Zoo, we're coming. Mike, um, after, artwork right, by Mike, Captain Watts. Captain Watts. Mike, you just got another, Mike, you you got got another it. ill endorsement. What else you got going on? 
I got nothing going on, man. <laughs> Compared to y'all, y'all got all kinds of shit going on, man. I just sit here and talk shit about what other people got going on. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, for those that are not familiar, go to Dead End Hip Hop on, on YouTube. Um, or you can go to my channel, Mike C-Town, M-Y-K-E-C-T-O-W-N. You know, if you want to talk about records and random other weirdo bullshit. But um, other than that, that's pretty much all I got going on. Catch Mike, you can catch Mike at the pit fucking corn reunion show. He'll be right in the front, bro. The hands up, the hoodie on and shit. That was the first show I ever got like like a bloody lip. And I felt so fucking cool. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, during Biohazard, some motherfucker elbowed me in the mouth, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> this and is how you do club it. Club came now. You were like, "Oh shit, it all connects." <laughs> right. I'm blow up a blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> Just set that bitch on fire. <laughs> Man, where's Brad Pitt when you need? Him? All right, Brad Pitt. In my in my auditory hallucinations, that's where he's at. That's all right, y'all. Right, all right, guys, it's been call out culture. Like, thanks for Flip coming back. Ninety nine. Call crush fun once again. What's <laughs> fun Destroyed once again. It. Oh, that was wonderful. Laid waste to it. Uh, this it. is uh, this is Mike C Town featuring. Thank you very much, brother, for yes. wrecking us again with your appearance. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you, Mike. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And for for Alaska, Villa, and Curly Castro, we are signing off. All I call our cultists, follow us on Twitter. Call out Instagram, Col- YouTube, all that shit. Follow us on Instagram, call out culture podcast. Patreon. Patreon. Salute to all our Patreonage, our yes. Patreoners. And um, we got a YouTube channel. You know, just just spread the love. There's plenty of plenty of it out there to get. Whatever you like. Bow. Don't go, don't go to anything that starts with a wood and ends with a stock. Mm. Um, me and Villa can talk. We were part of something called Hoodstock. We were Hoodstock is where we met. Or we you introduced Hoodstock. me on stage. Hoodstock. Yeah, that's when I first introduced Willow on stage. Hoodstock. He was doing the whole uh towel on the shoulder thing. A lot of towels and, back uh, then. <laughs> a lot of towels. We didn't have like and, under armor and shit back then. A lot, no, a lot of gilding heavy stitching. So Zilla used to what rock this towel over the shoulder and he also had like this leather wristband. I think he thought it gave him powers or something. Yeah, I'll shoot me on a little hip hop style. But his name was Zilla, and I, I was running with a crew named Squadzilla back then. So I, beef. Zilla didn't know that, that he, he had beef. Yeah, and had I was beef. coming for him. Because when I found his name, was he was real toy. I was really coming for him until we got cool. So he, he evaded like an evisceration yeah, when I was you much younger. Man, you uh, man I, was, son, I was so much younger and way more ignorant. You would not have liked it. Anyway, <laughs> call out culture. Out that guy is peace out. Peace. Talk to me.